morning, everyone. Welcome to another installment of the Battle Round. You turned me way too far down. Thank you, sir. Welcome to the Battle Round. I'm your host, Paul Valley. With me, as always, is Zach Goodman, my co-host and producer extraordinaire. It is a lovely, albeit hot, Saturday here in Baltimore. Zach, would you kindly close that door? I will do that. We, we never do that. We should probably, uh, start, start remember, probably we, start remembering to do that. Yeah, we never remember to do that. We got two reads for Glenn Clark Radio today. Anyway, welcome to the Battle Round. Again, I'm your host, Paul Valley. He's Zach Goodman. Uh, crazy win for the Orioles last night. We're going to get into all of it here in just a moment. Just want to remind you that the Battle Round is brought to you every week by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. The ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. So, Zach, let's, uh, you know what? You know what? I want to say this first. I want to say this first. We're going to get into the game and all the craziness that, that ensued in last night's game. A game that Zach was at but left early because he's a bum. Um, <laughs> I had to get here for the show, Paul. Right, right. It was, it was a long game. It was... It was two hours and forty minutes into the game, and they yeah. were in the fifth inning. Yeah, they were I, in the I, fifth I, inning. I know it was like it, it was ten o'clock, and you know the average time of a baseball game is probably what about three hours for yeah. the most part. And it was like the middle of <laughs> the sixth at, at ten o'clock, and I was thinking, yeah, I'm never gonna make it to the show in the morning if we don't get out of here soon. So I left yeah. in like the eighth. I saw yeah. most of it. I um and still barely made it here by the skin of his teeth. But nah, that's not true. <laughs> I um um. Yeah, I, I, I'm watching the game. I look at the at the clock. It says 9:45, and mm-hmm. I'm like, this game started at 7:05, and they're only in the fifth inning. It was yeah. nuts. But I want to I want to take a backtrack here a little bit, and I want to talk a little bit about Cedric Mullins, um, because Cedric Mullins has been sitting against lefties or batting lower in the order, and he's because he's only hitting 208 right. against lefties. Last year, he hit 277 against lefties. Mm-hmm. To me, Cedric Mullins is an everyday player. To me, he should be in your lineup every single game. I'm with you. He's not a platoon guy. He's he, just he, not. He's not a platoon guy. And, and, and my argument to that is that you play Roof Neto Door five days a week. Yeah. And he hits 208 against. He's, he's hitting. Actually, he was the only guy without a hit yesterday. We're going to get into that. Um, he's hitting just about 200 against everybody. Yeah. And he plays five days a week. You're going to tell me that Cedric Mullins, because he hits 208 against lefties, is a platoon player? I don't buy it. Right. The guy's third in baseball in steals. He's got close to th- he's got what 25 doubles. He's got he's going to finish he's going to finish the year with 15 home runs and 30 stolen bases. And, still, and it's one of the war leaders on the Orioles. Right. Which is still a damn good season. Oh, and by the way, he catches everything. Right. And you're gonna tell me, well, this—he should only be batting against. He should only be playing against righties, which would still have him play four to five days a week. No, Cedric Mullins should be in your lineup every single day, because if he walks, if he gets hit by a pitch, if he reaches on an error, he can steal second base. Right. He can give you Gold Glove defense in center field, and he and he can still run into one. Right. The, the the benefits of having Cedric Mullins play every day far outweigh the fact that he might go 0 for 4 with a strikeout against the or I'm sorry 0 for 3 against a left-handed pitcher before the reliever comes in right at worst but here's the other thing they keep they keep uh, playing Ryan McKenna 
against against left-handed starters and moving either mo- moving Mullins down in the order or not playing him, right? Mm-hmm. Cedric Mullins against left-handed starters, and this was before the uh, game the other day, so uh, these numbers may have changed, but uh, before the last left-handed starter that they faced, Cedric Mullins was batting 229 against left-handed starters. Ryan McKenna, 212. Yeah. It's because Ryan McKenna hits 318 versus lefties overall, so what he does against the lefty relievers, and a very small sample size, that they're taking Cedric Mullins out of the lineup. But the problem is, you're only going to face that left-handed starter two, maybe three times. Right. And if he hits better than McKenna against the left-handed starter, why are you not playing him? Well, I, I think the the whole point of Ryan McKenna, and the whole point Ryan McKenna is on this team for, is to be a guy who can play once or twice a week. He can pinch run. He can come in defensive situations. He's not a guy you want to platoon with a guy who was 30-30 last year. Not a right. guy who is has 3.1 war this year, if you're looking at Cedric Mullins. I mean, the numbers, they, they far outclass Ryan McKenna. Ryan, Ryan McKenna has a 316 on base percentage for the entire year. And, of course, that, that includes righties, too. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is that Ryan McKenna is a platoon bat, and Cedric Mullins is not. And to treat Cedric Mullins that way, even to bat him eighth, like Brandon Hyde did, I think, what, three weeks ago now, two weeks ago, I still think that's an abomination. I don't think that should ever happen. But the fact that he's being sat and platooned is just kind of disrespectful to him and in all seriousness i mean this is a guy who like you said hit a lot better against lefties last year and maybe let him figure it out maybe give him more of these situations mm-hmm. and maybe the more experience he gets against them and the more times he sees them he'll start to improve and get back to what he was last year and not to mention the fact that okay if mullins is struggling against lefties but you have him in the lineup there's still the opportunity for him to lay down a bunt, right? Sure. Or squib one and 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 get a base hit out of it. He's, He's done that so many times. You, this is a guy that should be in your lineup every single day, and it leads me to the high decision making, some of the calls that he makes. And we're going to get into an Orioles banter. They've had me scratching my head this past week yeah. and the week before, and, and for the better part of the season, to be perfectly honest with you. And the, mm-hmm. the Orioles look; they're five games above 500, so we're, we're, nobody is. We're nitpicking because it's been a fantastic season, and there's some other stuff I do want to address too. Because uh, I kind of get get, I think people are thinking I'm getting a little out of hand on the twits and on on, <laughs> I'm and, on the twits on the twits and on, and on the social media in general. Um, that I do kind of want to address if I remember to do it in the show. But that's neither here nor there. Cedric Mullins is not a platoon player. He should be playing every single day. As right. I pound my fist on the table. Now getting to last night's game. Last night's game. Jordan Lyles, for the boys, gives them <laughs> for the boys for the boys gives them four innings, four runs on nine hits and eighty nine pitches. So that was not the best no. Jordan Lyles outing, and you're watching him kind of not not play well, not pitch well last night, and you're thinking, Ugh, with the way that this offense is yeah. going, this is not a good thing. We needed you to be at, to- at the top of your game. They call up Kyle Stowers, they put him in the five hole. Flies out to the warning track, his first at bat, records two base hits. The Orioles down 2 nothing. What was it, in the second inning? Uh, yeah, I believe it was the second da- inning. Down yeah. 2 nothing in the second inning. Jorge Mateo, who is becoming a star right before our very eyes, mashes a, a three-run homer, gets so excited that he jumps over first base, <laughs> has to go back and touch the bag, and that was just the beginning. Jordan Lyles goes out, gives up a run the next inning. It's now four. It's now um, He gives up two runs, right? So now it's 4-3 to three right. in the third inning. The Orioles score three more runs, uh, by, thanks to they had two outs in the third inning, and Cedric Mullins comes up to the plate. He rips a double down the right field line. It should have been it, it, he legged it out, right? Yep. It, hustle it, it, double. It, it yeah. was a hustle double. Rutschman comes up and deposits one deep into center field. 
Um, and then Anthony Santander was it? Did Santander go deep on the? the Santander was before Rutschman. Uh, he was the second home run of the night. I believe. Okay, so so I'm 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 getting my my innings mixed up. Yeah, so Santander was before Rutschman. I believe he was the one so, who. So- uh, who after Mateo? He was the, the second right. home run. So, after so, so Mateo hit the three run homer in the Correct. second. Yes. Um, and then I think it was Mullins got out to end the inning. Then Rutschman right. comes up in, to start the next inning, and I think he walked or I, I think he singled. He, he, he singled. He, he, and oh yeah, yeah. He, he, he singled the, the left yeah. field. And it was a night. Nice, that was a beautiful single. It was. He, he, it was. He, he was behind in the count. It's a fastball in the outside corner. He just flicks the bat out and right. and and. and Pokes one into left field, and Santander comes up. Been struggling over his last seventeen and or over his last fourteen, and there's a two-run homer. Yeah, he had three hits last night. Rutschman had three hits last night. Austin Hayes three hits last night. Three doubles in his last two it's about games. Time still not good enough to win me take the rake. Spoiler there. Um, Santander, Mountcastle, Mateo three plus RBIs each. O's two, three, four hitters. So we're talking Rutschman, Santander, Mountcastle combined to go eight for fifteen. With three home runs, two doubles, nine RBI, and eight runs scored. It's pretty That's good. Pr- <laughs> production. It was it was an awesome night for offense. Bullpen. Are you getting worried about the bullpen? Because yeah, look, I am. This is something we need to address. Also, Keegan Aiken hasn't been good for two months. No, right? No. He was really good to start the year. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he has, and his ERA actually went down last night. Mm-hmm. His ERA is two sixty on the year, so he looks like he's been good this year. Ruth Nettodor makes the error last night, and yeah, Adley Rutschman's catcher's interference, which counts as an error, puts a runner on base. Aiken couldn't get out of his own way though. Base right. hit after base hit after base hit. He gives up five runs, none of them earned, which made his ERA go down last night. And it's where the ERAs for good ERAs for a, a reliever can oftentimes be a fallacy. Right. I remember looking at Michael Givens, his rookie year, which I think was 2016. And he would come into a game with a runner on second base and he would let the inheritor runner score. But he would be credited with a scoreless appearance. His ERA was like 163. Yeah. And I don't know where they keep the stats for inherited runners allowed to score. Like, I don't know where to find that. But I'm telling you that, that Givens that year gave, allowed so many inherited runners to score, but his, his ERA was never impacted. This is what Keegan Agin's doing. Yeah. He's coming into a game and he's giving you two innings. He gives up a home run, but he gives up that home run and he comes into the game with a runner on second base. Right, so it's yeah. a two-run homer, and he doesn't get charged with that. He only gets charged with the home run. He's given up a lot more home runs, a lot more base hits, letting a lot of inheritor runner score. And last night gives up five runs, but his ERA is still sparkling because they were all unearned. Now, look, that's not letting Roof Net Odor or Ryan Mountcastle off the hook. It's a forty-foot throw. Odor has to hit, right. be able to hit you, has to be able to hit his first baseman in the chest. Mountcastle has to be able to pick that ball. Right. Mount, uh, Rutschman can't have that glove. And, and look, all catchers get flagged for that at some point, right? But Rutschman needs to not have the glove so close to the to the plate that it gets hit by a bat on a swing. Again, we're nitpicking. The Orioles won a game 15-10, to 10, but the bigger issue here is that the bullpen has faltered each of the last three right. games and cost the Orioles the games. In, it almost cost them last night. But, for example, the Orioles are up 10-4 to 4 after the third inning yesterday. And then... Going to the bottom of the fourth, it's ten, ten to nine. nine. It's ten, ten to right, nine. Right. You know, this is and I'm sorry, that was in the fifth. That was in the yeah. fifth inning. But even still, it's 
what are they going to do about the bullpen? Because it's not like they have guys AAA knocking on the door. I mean, I think the the clear and easy decision would be to replace DL Hall, uh, replace Keegan Aiken with DL Hall, and make that swap. You can bring up DL Hall as a long reliever. Uh, he's currently, you know, they wanted to get him a taste with that one start he made, and then you know bring him up in, uh, as a reliever for the rest of the year. And that seems like the obvious decision to me. And you, you talk about Keegan Aiken and. He's a guy who, frankly, in April and May, it looked like he had turned a major corner. It looked like this could be a, raw, a long reliever, a lefty especially, that could be really impactful for the Orioles. Could be really impactful. Just come out there every time and you know give you three or four innings of really, really good pitching. And so far, these past two months or so, he's been terrible. He's just been, every time he comes into the game, he looks like you know 2021 20, Keegan Aiken, not in 2020 Keegan Aiken. He, he doesn't look like the guy that we saw in April and May. So that concerns me, number one. That's definitely a concern. And D.L. Hall, maybe he won't be um, as effective as we hope to, to start his relief career. I mean, this is a new thing for him. And, you know, the, the command and control has been clear issues from him at, for throughout his entire career. So I'm not saying that's like a, a perfect swap and everything's going to be perfect and beautiful after that, but it could certainly help. And then the rest of the guys, I mean, you, you see a lot of other ones like Brian Baker's really been struggling lately. I'm starting to get concerned about the depth. And I talked about it before with the usage of guys like CNL Perez. I think he was you know, vastly overused uh, mm-hmm. to start the year. And you look at Felix Bautista, he at some point will start to wear down too. So the, the bullpen in the, you know, at the end of the season is going to start getting taxed. It's going to be really hard to get these guys to feel as healthy as possible and, and be pitching as many innings as the Orioles are going to need them to down the stretch. And that that's really the concern for me is just overuse of, of your better guys because the the other guys in the, the back of the bullpen aren't exactly performing the way they should be. Right. And, and what it comes down to for me is that you're basically looking at um, this is a result of your starting pitching not being the starting pitching's been okay right th- this year they they've kept the Orioles in a lot of games right it's the third week of August and you are still babying your starters yeah I, I understand where the game is going right I I get that. Everybody throws 100 now, and you have all these high-energy, big electric arms in your bullpens, and you mm-hmm. want to get them into the ball game. So if your starter can give you six innings or even five innings, it's considered okay. Right. Uh, I think that if you don't have two or three starters that can consistently go six to eight innings with the occasional complete game, that you're doing yourself a disservice. And I look at what happened in the game on Wednesday and then what happened in the game on Thursday, more so the game on Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. Austin Voth goes six innings, allows two hits, yeah. no runs. I think he only walked one. Right? He 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 um he introduced this new like slurve type of thing. Yeah, he's been unreal. The, for the, the, past the, few the, starts. the curveball's been phenomenal. The fastball spin rate is elite, uh, and he's got this new sweeping curve that um or, or this new like sweeping slider that right. it, that looked really impactful. He got he got. Um, I think he got six outs or on yeah. on the, on that pitch the other day, but even still, he, he he's given you a great ball game. Yeah. Now the Orioles they only had one hit in the first six innings of that game, and it came in the fifth, um, which is a whole other thing. But he has eighty six pitches through six innings, no runs allowed, only two hits, mm-hmm. and Hyde doesn't send him back out for the seventh. Yeah. And then what happens in the seventh? The Orioles bullpen gives up six runs right. in the seventh inning. Now, look, your your bullpen's got is what is what got you there, and I get that. But why are you not? 
Any other pitcher worth their salt, if they give you six innings of shutout ball on 86 pitches, they, they'll go back out there for the seventh inning. Can you imagine uh, Buck Showalter trying to pull Max Scherzer after six no. innings of 86 pitches? No. At 86 pitches, Max Scherzer's thinking, I got a complete game shutout in me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's, that's what he's thinking. He, he, can get, he can get through the next three innings and 40 pitches and throw 126 pitches. But with the Orioles, we're pulling both. Both, excuse me. We're pulling both after six innings on only 86 pitches. Mm-hmm. The next day, Spencer Watkins goes five and two-thirds innings. He gives up one run in that sixth inning on 80 pitches, and we're pulling him. Now, look, the, right. the bullpen didn't falter until the eighth inning, and we're going to get that in, get to, into that in the Orioles' banter. Um, but why can't Spencer Watkins finish that game? Now, look, I get it. He gave up the home run, and he gave up a base hit. But he deserves the opportunity right. to get through that inning. You know, it's not his right. fault that your offense hasn't scored in a week. I mean, again, I, I think we're really going to see the effects of this in September. If, and if they make it to, you know, October, I think that's going to be a, a huge issue for them. Is the, you know, the bullpen is being taxed because of poor decisions with the starting pitching. And I, I think that's it's, it's going to become a problem, and it might already be a problem. And I think maybe you saw it a bit last night. They gave up 10 runs. They won, but they gave up 10 runs. Mm-hmm. That's... I mean, I know Keegan Aiken was half of it, but it, my point is here that they're taxed and they're not letting their starters go long enough. And now, I, look, Austin Voth is not Max Scherzer. We get that. Well, yeah, right. we, we get that, but the fact is, is that 86 pitches, you should be going out there for another inning. It's, there is no way, no way that you should be pulled with 86 pitches. It's mid to late August. Right. Right. And he made 19 relief appearances for... Um, 19 relief Nationals. appearances for the Nationals. He's yeah. made 14 appearances for you. Or I'm sorry, 15 appearances for you. 11 starts. This guy's arm is stretched out. Right. Very. He, he can go out there in the in, in the middle of August and give you a seventh inning there. He, you can you, If he can throw 86 pitches, what's 14 more? Get him to 100 right. and get him through the seventh inning. Right. And that's not, look, it's not the reason the Orioles lost that game. The Orioles lost, I mean... The bullpen did give up six runs, but the Orioles lost games this past week because they weren't scoring. Right. They had a perfect game taken taken into the ninth inning against them last Sunday. You know, uh, Monday they come out and they don't get a hit till the fourth inning. Tuesday they come out and they I can't remember what the hell they did, but but they won on Tuesday. Wednesday they don't get a hit till the sixth inning. You know, Thursday they don't do anything until the fifth inning. It's like we're really doing this again and again right. and again, and they didn't score till the eighth inning. And don't get me started on what happened in that eighth inning and the ninth inning for that matter. Again. Orioles banter, um, but this also leads me to a point. You just said we're not. We know that both isn't Max Scherzer. Mm-hmm. I made a comparison yesterday because you brought up DL Hall and his command issues, and I said Randy Johnson, in his ages 26, 27, and twenty eight seasons, led the major leagues in walks mm-hmm. each of those three years. He was 26, 27, 28 years old. Yeah, right. Led the majors in walks each of those years. What did he do in the sixteen seasons after that? He won five Cy Youngs. He finished second three times, and he finished third once. Yeah. Struck out over four thousand batters and won over two hundred and fifty games in those next fifteen seasons. Mm-hmm. Right. This is a guy who had serious controls. Jim Palmer, serious control issues. Yeah. Dia Hall just got his first taste of the major leagues mm-hmm. at twenty three years old, and yeah, he has command issues. Why would you not give him every opportunity to figure it out as a starting pitcher? And, and this isn't a gripe against the Orioles because they've already said he's going to be a reliever to help us the rest of this year and keep his innings right. on, uh, in check. 
but he's going back to being a start, a full-time starter next season. But there's all these people, and, and, and Stan's one of them. God loves Stan. I, I don't agree with him. There's all these people saying that D.L. Hall should be a reliever. No, you let him figure it out. Because, and, and look, I know that he's not going to be Randy Johnson. When I say Randy Johnson did this, that doesn't mean I'm saying if you give D.L. Hall the same opportunity, he becomes Randy Johnson. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, if they had given up on Randy Johnson mm-hmm. at the same time that people are giving up on D.L. Hall because he just can't throw enough, enough strikes, he's not in the Hall of Fame. Same thing with Jim Palmer. I'm not saying that D.L. Hall is going to be a Hall of Fame pitcher, but you have to give him more of an opportunity to figure it out. That He's 23 years old. You know, this isn't like a 30-year-old guy who spent six years in the big leagues and he just can't hack it. This isn't Andrew Miller, who who legitimately was an t- awful starter and they had yeah. to turn him into a reliever and then he became fantastic. This is a guy who, when he's in the strike zone, they can't touch him. Yeah. They can't touch him. I, I just... Well, I, I, I'd question there... If the Orioles did say, hey, we're going to make him a full-time reliever and that's going to trans you know transpire into the, the future years, you know, 2023 and beyond, that's going to be the thing for him. Then I would say, why did you develop him as a starter then for the past, you know, three years of the mm-hmm. Michael Elias regime and more? So that that would be my first question. Why why were you letting him start all these years if you thought in the end he might be a reliever and he might be? But I I do agree with you. I I, I lean towards Stan's opinion that he might be a reliever long term. But I agree with you in the fact that they have to give him a shot to start. They have to. That's how they developed him. That's how they did this. That's how they were looking at this two years ago. Mm-hmm. Why now are you going to say, and I get it for the playoffs, if you want to make him a, you know, th- if this is a playoff thing only, that makes complete sense. And, and, get, a, way, and a way to, to limit his innings. And a way to limit his innings. Then that's perfect. I think that makes a lot of sense. But you can't come out in 2023 and say automatically D.L. Hall is, is a bullpen guy now. Because you've developed him as a, as a starter for the past three years. And, and, it and makes he, no sense. And here's the other thing, right? Kyle Bradish, electric stuff, mm-hmm. big league stuff, right? Yeah. It, it's all there. Can't consistently, he lacks command consistently. Yeah. But he got how many starts and how many opportunities yeah. to go out there where he just imploded, where he looked good in the first inning or two and then gives up five runs in the third or fourth inning, right? Or he looks terrible in the first inning, gives up four runs, and either way, not making it into the fifth inning. But you kept trotting him out there, trotting yeah. him out there, trotting him, and then he got, until he got hurt. And then as soon as he's healthy again, you're trotting him back out there, mm-hmm. right? That's what you need to be doing with DL Hall and more. Thousand give him percent. give him the opportunity to figure it out. Now, if he goes all year next year, if he's a starter all year next year, mm-hmm. and he pitches to a five ERA because he walks ninety five hitters, right? It, 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 over the over the course of the season, or one hundred and twenty, however much it would be in thirty starts. Okay, then you're like, you know what, man? We we gave you an entire season. We sent you out there every sure. fifth day. And you just walked. You walked five and a half guys per nine innings. We right. that we can't continue to let. I you mean, do even that. if you're striking out fifteen per nine, like because he, I think in the minors is is fourteen point six right yeah. now. So yeah, I mean, there's definite uh, th- there's definite problems there. Even if you strike out that many guys, but you're you're walking a- as many as he might, that would definitely be a problem. Right. And so like, but when I say stuff like this, when when, when I say if Max Scherzer went out there. Gave gave you six innings of of scoreless ball right. on eighty six pitches. He'd be allowed to go back out for the seventh and probably the eighth. I'm not saying that Austin Voth is Max Scherzer. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that DL Hall is Randy Johnson. What I'm saying is that these guys have earned the opportunity to continue to do what they what they just did. Sure. And DL Hall hasn't been given enough opportunity to prove that 
he can become something like that. I'm not saying that they are these guys. I'm just saying, look at look at these guys, and if you had done what you, to them what you're doing to the Orioles pitchers, they aren't the pitchers that they are. They don't become that. So, and, and I got into it a little bit with somebody last night who's a follower of the show, and I wanted to address it because I did get a little bit defensive. I'm so I'm so used to people attacking me for an opinion, and then I have to and then I have to strike back. That sometimes I get my knee jerk reaction is to be defensive and then it's like whoa whoa man I'm just having a conversation with you so I wanted to apologize for that because I know that I tend to do that sometimes and it's just uh, again my knee-jerk reaction because social media is there's a lot of keyboard cowboys out there a lot of them a lot lot of of keyboard cowboys out there so and and I used to think like rock used and I'm like uh, I'm not comparing myself to rock Kabatko okay (laughs) but rock I used to be like man he is so short with people on on social media and then I realized it gets annoying it gets tiresome mm-hmm. when everything you say, somebody has something smart to say. Just like the that's why I don't go after Buster only all that often. Because anytime the Orioles win a game or anytime the Orioles do something big, you'll see a hundred different people tag Buster only. Is this yeah. bad for baseball? It's like he doesn't care. It gets pretty tiresome. Like honestly. it's like yeah. this, this is yeah. annoying. He he doesn't care. Yeah. Anyway, Orioles win a ball game last night, fifteen to ten. Bullpen implodes, but kind of settled in after Keegan. Well, yeah, Keegan Aiken gave up those five runs in the fifth inning, and then. They only gave up one run the rest of the way. So the bullpen kind of settled in last night. The offense, man, six doubles, five home runs, 11 extra base hits. Their most extra base hits in a game since August 16th of 2015 when they pounded the Athletics. I think it was something like 17-2. to I remember watching that game mm-hmm. at a... At a Watering hole in near where I live. <laughs> at a water at hole. a watering hole near where I live. But uh, a, a big win for the Orioles last night. Kyle Stowers makes his day his re debut. His debut as a member of the forty man roster. His home debut gets two hits over 106 miles an hour off the bat. This to me felt like his MLB debut. Yeah, I, I that's what I, it felt like. I didn't really feel like what he did in Toronto was all that legit because he wasn't really on the roster. He wasn't. So yeah, th- and th- he got this two starts tonight, on four. Right. Th- th- this tonight, or last night, I should say, felt like the actual MLB debut. For and, and I can kind of understand when I look back on it now with, um, with Stowers in Toronto and then only playing him in two of the four games. He, you know, he's not going to be part of your team after those four games, right? right? And you, how do you how do you explain to the guys who are there every single day? Well, I'm going to play him while he's here. That's a great point. You know, like, and, and, and Elias even said not a lot, not Elias. Brandon Hyde said last night he's going to get a lot of playing time from now to the end of the season, especially in the outfield. So last night really kind of felt like his debut. He gets two hits in his Oriole Park debut. Um, Richie Martin also called up with Taron Vavra going on the paternity list. We're going to talk about that later because some people were like, why why Martin instead of instead of Gunnar Henderson? And we'll discuss that. Um, Odor also only the mem- only member in the lineup to go hitless um, last night. He did have to sacrifice fly and a hard lineup, but he also made a costly error in that fifth inning. We'll talk about that more. We have Santa Fan Charles coming up here in just a matter of moments. We're going to have Nathan Ruiz from the Baltimore Sun at 11 o'clock. Signing off with Zach Goodman in between those two segments, the payoff pitch around the league, and then Orioles banter at uh, about, I want to say, 11.20-ish. And then we'll do take the rake. I'm going to tell you, I think that uh, I think Zach pulled this one out this past week. But great show ahead of you uh, today here on the Bat Around. Just want to remind you, today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose to, the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. That's buyatoyota.com. Joining us now. 
in our new studios here in Towson, at least on the line in our new studios here in Towson. He is Stan the Fan Charles. Stan, it's Paul. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. It was a crazy game last night. Did you stay up to watch the whole thing, Stan? I was at the ballpark for seven innings last night. Zach was there for Exhaust, eight. Oh. Exa- exhausting. It was an exhausting game. It was. Yeah, and not just not just exhausting for how long it was, but Stan, it was also mentally taxing, emotionally taxing, because the Orioles take this big yes, 10, ten to four lead in the fifth inning, yep. or in the in the yeah in yep. the fifth inning, and then they immediately give up five runs, and it's ten to nine, and you're like, are we really doing this? But then they came out, they they put up four more runs there in the sixth inning, and they were off to the races, and they ended up winning the game 15-10. 11 extra base hits last night. Um, Stan, what were, your, what were your thoughts? Actually, what I want to know is, are you concerned about the bullpen after the last three games with the way they've kind of imploded? Um, coming in after, not last night notwithstanding, but coming in after a decent start by a starter, coming in and kind of imploding and giving up the game. Not, not really. Uh, I mean, you know, our bullpen is is uh, has been pretty darn good. Uh, they're they're overused. There's no question about yeah. it. You know, it's a fi- it's a fine line. Brandon Hyde is 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 trying to thread there. You know, I mean, I saw your notes that what you wanted to talk about, and uh, you know, taking both out and taking uh, who was the other pitcher you mentioned after five and a third inning? Uh, uh, Spencer Watkins. Spencer Watkins, those guys. I mean, I understand what you're saying that that boy it would have been nice to get seven out of them, but they're guys, they're guys that are pitching like way out over their skis as to their history. Yeah, you know, and and those games are close games when those guys come into the games, and you know if if you if you wait a little too long, the starter can cough it up. You know, yeah. so. I don't have I don't that. have a real pro I don't have a real problem with that, and I'm not really that worried about the bullpen. Okay, well, and, and I guess yeah. I guess my overall point is that we're we're in the latter parts of August now. I feel like these guys. Right. The, the, he's not pulling, and you're right. He's not pulling them out because they're not stretched out. He's pulling them out because they're like you said, they're pitching, they're playing over their skis, as you as you said. Um, but at what point have they done enough? to be trusted to go out there for another inning because both has been doing this for, you know, the better part of a month and a half now. Spencer Watkins, since coming off the IL, has pitched to a sub-three ERA in, yep. like, like seven or eight starts. I feel like at some point but, but you have to say, you but, know what, you've earned the next you, inning. Can't you, yeah, but can't you just look at it the other way and say what they're doing with those guys is working? Yeah. You know, you're looking at a class half full. I'm looking at it. I mean, you're half empty. I'm looking at it as half full that you're maximizing what those guys are capable of. Yeah, you know, no, that, that's, that's my that's my belief. And and our bullpen, I think there's a belief that you you're much better off sort of giving a a, a reliever uh, a clean inning. The yeah. guy who's really worried me out of that bullpen for two months now is Keegan Aiken. Yeah, with that, can I open the show talking that, about that? He, he looks exactly like he did as a failed starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's lost a lot of trust in my eyes. Having said that, last night he probably deserved a better fate. You know, the Odor error, which I really think 
is a Mountcastle era. That play's got to be made by your first baseman. It does, that but... Throw wasn't that, that throw wasn't that terrible. I mean, he, he bounced it from 40 feet. Inter- yeah, then the, ca- the catcher's interference, mm, I didn't bounce it from 40 feet. I mean, it, it, I mean, it bounced a foot in front of Mountcastle. I'm saying, but He's the throw... The- concentrate better. The throw was made from forty feet away. It's not like he was he was making right. his throw from from the hole. He he made oh, his throw okay. from. Okay, okay, I misunderstood you. Okay, so anyway, uh, Aiken is a, is a real concern. And then he had the unfortunate thing with the uh, catcher's interference on McGuire, who should be an easy out for uh, mm-hmm. for Aiken. But Aiken just is not he's not as crisp. His pace isn't what it was. His stuff doesn't seem as lively. He looks like he's put weight back on to me. Um, all those things are, you know, adding up to. He's he's lost a lot of my trust in meaningful situations. And Stan, what would be your plan there? Is he the the perfect swap for DL Hall? Do you just bring up Hall and have him take that spot? Is is that an option? Is that a DFA? What is that role for you for Keegan Aiken going forward? That's a darn good question, Zach. I mean, that is that is sort of the role that I see, you know. And, and the other role I see him in is what what Paul's alluding to is now if you've got a weapon like that, I might be a little bit more inclined to go go have both go into that seventh inning the other day in Toronto, knowing you got a real weapon out of that bullpen. Mm. But you know, again. That weapon comes it's comes fraught with uh, those control issues, and uh, at some point in time, DL Hall is going to have to sort of make people comfortable with the fact he can come in to meaningful games in those times. But that that's kind of makes sense. It's sort of like the swap out yesterday of Stowers for Brett Phillips uh, and Paul. I know you asked me ten days ago or two weeks ago, you know what Phillips was doing here. I guess it was just biding time, keeping you know, the seat warm. Until yep, keeping the seat warm and and swapping out, you know, a veteran like Mancini and bringing in a guy who's been there before. Uh, I, I thought I saw the, the makings of more of a platoon situation with McKenna and him evolving, but that that really didn't take place. Yeah, and the the. the uh... DFAing Phillips and having Stowers come up, it now gives you the opportunity to keep Ryan McKenna in that fourth outfielder role. He was yep. getting he was getting a lot mm-hmm. of playing time the past week or so, uh, and Ryan McKenna I think excels when he is in that fourth outfielder role. But I think that you can see a lot more weaknesses if he starts playing every day. A lot of people think. Well, no, if you play him every day, you'll see his strength start to come out. I think that you start to see more holes in the swing and start to figure out how to better get him out the more you see him. So I, I'm, I'm happy yeah, with McKenna also, back. You're, yeah, you're also trying to match him up against left-handed pitching. It wasn't a strict platoon situation, but right. you were trying to get Mullins out against really tough left-handers. That's how it started, and now it's evolved to him gaining more playing time. You know, and deserving more playing time. But I agree with you. I think he, if if all of a sudden you said, "Hey, let's trade Austin Hayes and put McKenna in every day," you'd see weaknesses in his game. Yeah. Now, now let's talk about Austin Hayes because he he had three hits last night and a walk. Uh, he had a double the night before. His swing decisions still don't look great. A lot of people think that, and when I say a lot of people, I'm saying a, a, a lot of fans I interact with seem to think that he might be hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he hasn't been a productive player for two months now. Uh, are, yeah. are we reaching a point with Austin Hayes where it's like it's time to put up or shut up, or is it just one of the more prolonged slumps that we've seen and you think maybe he's starting to break out? I, I'm not really sure, and I, I will tell you that every time he would get hit on his hand or wrist area, mm-hmm. you know, he'd fling the bat down, and I've got to believe the the sort of the residue of those, I think he got like three hit by pitches in about a two two to three week period. In the same and spot. And i got to yeah. believe, yeah, I, I just have to believe that the player we saw in April, May, into early June is still there, yeah. and he's been playing through some things. But you know something? He's a, he's a bright guy. He's been around a little while. He sees Stowers come up yesterday, mm-hmm. and, you know, he knows that there, there's more coming, and he's got he's to gotta start to produce. I don't know. Maybe, maybe something woke up with him in that. Maybe his hands are just about healed. I don't know what it is, but he certainly hasn't been the player he was from, you know, from like July 15th last year. That's two and a half months. And the first two and a half months this year, that's a full season. And he was looking like a, not a superstar, but a real solid, you know, a real solid regular who plays, gives you terrific defense. I I don't, I can't really put my finger on it, but clearly the club has played through his, his downturn period along with Mountcastle, you know. Yeah. Now, Mountcastle woke up with that home run last night. It was a monstrous. Oh, shot. yeah. That, that was yeah. that was a yeah. moon shot. And he's actually got three yeah. home runs in the last 10 days, I think it is. So he's his bat's starting to wake up. And Stan, the, the Orioles' offense in general woke up last night. They had scored 15 runs total from last Sunday through Thursday. And then they scored 15 runs last night on 18 hits, 11 extra base hits. Now, Stan, I've been following the Orioles long enough that it seems like every time they have an offensive outbreak like that, the next night they kind of come out and the bats go cold. Uh, wh- why do you think that is? And do, are, is that something that you're concerned about going into tonight, that they'll revert back to uh, what they were doing before? I, 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 I mean, you'd have to define what, I mean, if you ask that question, what's your answer to it? Because I have no answer to that. I, I really don't. I, it, I don't sit there believing that, oh, the Orioles scored 15. They won't score 15 today, but that doesn't mean they won't score. Now, now the problem today is they're facing a much better pitcher. You know, Michael Waka, when he's healthy, is a pretty darn good pitcher. On the face of it, this matchup is not a great matchup for the Orioles. With Braddish with the ERA of six-something versus, um, you know, uh, Waka right now. But I don't think it's just that you know, you'd have to go back and study, and I'm not an analytics person, but who were the pitchers the day they have an outbreak like this versus who's the pitcher the next day? You know, just to ask it out of out of hand, I don't know how to answer a question no, like that. You, I don't believe that, that teams just, oh, they scored 15 tomorrow, they're going to get shut out. I don't believe that that's, I think it has to do with the, the, the game that day and who you're up against. Yeah, no, and I guess there's no real answer 
for that question. It's yeah. just it's just something that, that I've noticed in all my years following this team that they seem to go out and they they'll put you, out. A, you've a, noticed it for you've noticed it for years. I've noticed it for I've had so many conversations okay. with my dad about this. It's just it's, okay. it's, it's, it's I don't think it has really anything to do with anything other than it's just a weird right. a, a weird thing that happens. You know where you go out and, okay. and you you tear the cover off the ball. Well, like an like an outbreak like fifteen runs doesn't happen that often. So, no, it doesn't. But so I, I, after that game, you're clearly going to go back to scoring three to five runs right. somewhere in that ballpark. I think it's just you know, coincidence. Coincidence. It's just some, yeah. it's something that to me it it, is. I've noticed. To me it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, Kyle Stowers, he, it, so last night, Stan, we kind of look at it as Kyle Stowers' re-debut because he debuted in, in Toronto out of necessity because Santander wasn't vaccinated at the time. He now is. Stowers makes his right. home debut last night. Two base hits, a deep fly out to right field in his first at bat. The two base hits over 106 miles an hour off the bat. What is That base hit, that base hit almost took uh, Cutter Crawford's head off. I yeah. mean, it was... It was really a, a rocket. Yeah. Yeah. No. He 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 smoked both of those balls back up the box. Yeah. Uh, what kind of an impact does could Kyle Stowers have on this lineup? I I I think it's coincidence that he joins a team last night and then they score fifteen runs. I think that's coincidence. But what kind of an impact can he have? And it kind of gives you that opportunity to not have a weak bat in your lineup in the outfield. Well, uh, certainly, you know, look. I think Mike Elias, not that he's copycatting anything. He sees what Atlanta did, you know, with Michael Harris a couple months ago and then Vaughn Grissom, and he mm-hmm. sees what the Mets get, did with Blaine Beatty, and I think he just said, you know what? It's time to roll the dice uh, and bring up one of our better prospects right now who really is ready, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he absolutely had the guy this, uh, The guy this doesn't speak real well for is Eugenio Diaz as, as having any real you know, meaning to this organization. Well, yeah, I, I, I think that his, I think his days in this organization are numbered, to be honest with you. I don't think he yeah. has an impact at yeah. all. Uh, somebody else who's had an impact, obviously, and Stan, I wrote in the notes. I mean, we could do a segment every week just on Adley Rutschman and how good he has been. He's been as advertised. He was horrible last night. He had that catcher's interference, you know. Yeah, <laughs> he was absolutely and he's horrible. horrible. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Inexcusable. Luke Luke texted me. Luke texted me after Bogarts was thrown out. I, I couldn't see it because I'm behind home plate up Mm -hmm. in the press box. He and and then I didn't happen to look at the TV screen, but he said he got Bogarts thrown out of that game by stealing that pitch. Oh yeah, his pitch framing is is otherworldly. And then did you see him throw out the runner at second base on the wild pitch? Unbelievable. Just, Unbelievable! just an incredible play there. He go, he gets three hits last night, a home run. It finishes a triple shy of the cycle, which I mean that happens a lot. Um, looks right. like he's going to be a top two vote getter for rookie of the year and earn that arbitration that that early year of arbitration. Should mm-hmm. the Orioles even be considered c- concerned about that? I feel like this is a guy that we've seen. They're only scratching the surface with him, and we've seen how good he is. Shouldn't they be th- thinking extension for him? If not now, then in this offseason? You know, I I don't know where where the world changed with why it was like necessary for Tampa to give Wander Franco a you know an extension. Mm-hmm. I, it's I'm all, I'm all for giving the player a comfort level, 
but and I know that it only makes sense for the player if you're buying out some of those arbitration years. Right. But I, I'm I'm in, it's not like I feel like I'm in a huge hurry to have to do something with right. him. I mean he's tied to the ball club. I, I would not like them to do what they did with Trey, which is never you know, make a real strong effort to keep him even two years ago, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or uh, Manny but for that, that got interrupted. But that got interrupted a little bit with, um, you know, that got interrupted a little bit with Trey's illness. Right. Uh, the club might have been more inclined right at that time to, to try, but I'm, I'm not sure. The Machado thing, believe it or not, there was a, there was a method to their madness there. Peter Angelos was concerned about those back-to-back knee injuries, mm-hmm. you know, knee surgeries that uh, he had, and they did make one strong effort to get him but it wasn't in the ballpark that Machado and his people were thinking right. about. I, I don't see uh, any any lingering ill effects if they don't do it. It uh, wouldn't upset me if they did it. Um, you know, I think there's a time and a place for that. And I would think that sometime in the next 12 months, you'll see something done with, with him. You know? Yeah, and, 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 I'm, and not, I'm not in a hurry Right now, you're in a pennant race. I don't think his mind is is saying like, "How come they haven't approached us about a oh, uh, right, you right. know, uh, you know?" I just don't think it's the right time. I could see it being the right time next spring, possibly, or the or the spring, the spring after that when he's really into his arbitration. You know. And look, Michael I said they have payroll flexibility from here moving forward. So maybe it's one of those things where that he spends money on him in the off season. It, it remains to be seen. I guess. So, uh, uh, that payroll flexibility can can get out of hand. You got a lot of people now yeah. you're starting to see that are going to be, you know, deserving of a lot more money, and that oh, starts to happen. And it, uh, you know, all of a sudden your payroll was like fifty million, and now it's a hundred and fifty million. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not saying you got to be count your, you know, count your chickens real carefully, but I just. Um, you know, that's not a high priority for me, and I don't think it is with Michael Lyons. No, I, I totally get the thinking on that. And then the final thing I want to ask you is we heard this past week that Gunnar Henderson has been getting work over at first base. He started two of the last three games for the Tides at first base. Um, look, Richie Martin came up with Taron Vavra going on the paternity list. To me, having Gunnar play some first base kind of puts the writing on the wall that when it's, t- when it's time to call him up, they're going to call him up and that Nevin will be the guy who's optioned back down to AAA. And if you come up with less than 45 days left in the major league season, you maintain rookie status going into the next season. Tomorrow's game is 45 days. They don't have a game on Monday. Do you think there's a good possibility the Orioles could be calling up Gunnar Henderson as early as Tuesday to make his major league debut? Uh, I don't have any great insight into that. You've explained what the parameters of it are, and I think you might be onto something. You know, clearly, they they this speaks highly of the fact that Gunner is not just going to come out, come up and be handed shortstop. You know, right. that now Mateo Mateo last thirty five. You know, I looked at his numbers the last thirty five games. He's hit over three hundred. Mm-hmm. You know and he's got like five home runs. Then he hit another home run after I looked it up. Um, you know, I mean, I think I think he is the shortstop on this team. I do too. Until proven, uh, on, until proven otherwise. And Urias is an inexpensive 
and valuable piece right now. And I agree with you, Tyler Nevin. I'm not saying he's been given a great chance, but he's played enough that he needed to show more than he has. So he would be, he would clearly be the guy that would go down. In fact, I got to the ballpark yesterday. I had to meet somebody who was interviewing me for this very interesting uh, project he's working on. It's about memories of people's first game they ever saw. Mm -hmm. He's a New York writer. And uh, so uh, I got to Hyde's press conference, which I usually don't get to before the game. And Hyde was talking about having brought somebody up. And I thought it was Henderson, you know, and Mm -hmm. my mind was going, I guess they sent Nevin down. And it turned out to be Stowers and more complicated, you know, with the three moves up and the three right. moves down. Uh, so, you know, but Gunner, it, it sure looks like, uh, and maybe with Gunner, it's even more of what I just said about Michael Elias looking at what the Braves have done with their two young players. Right. Who both came from double A. And, you know, although Gunner's at triple A, he's younger than those two guys, yeah. I think. Younger than younger, youngest player in AAA by nine months uh, currently. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's significant. I it, mean, that is really significant. It re- it really is, and Stan, for for sure, it's going to be an interesting final six weeks to this season. I think we're all excited to see what's going to happen and who comes up to maybe help the Orioles make this final playoff push. Um, we know you have <clears throat> multiple shows. Very hardworking man here for press box. Uh, what do you have coming up for us on Monday, Stan? Monday night, Ross Grimsley has reached out to uh, Scott McGregor, former Royal left-handed pitcher. We'll have Scott McGregor on at 6 o'clock. All right. Excellent, Stan. Thank you so much. We will talk to you next week. All enjoy right, the, enjoy okay, the games. Okay, look forward to it. Yep, I'll be out there in Boo Pal Bobblehead Day today. Nice. I uh, wish I could Boo be there. Will be, Boo will be out of his grill at about 2.30 today for about an hour uh, greeting fans. Uh, he's really missed the interaction. Oh, excellent. His, uh, fans and supporters. Oh, All that, right. That'll be nice. That'll be nice. Thank you so much, Sam. We'll All talk right. to you next week. Guys, have a great weekend. Okay. See you, Zach. Bye. And that was Stan the Fan, Charles. It was two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. Stan had a very busy week this week. He and Ross chatted with Ken Guthrie, the Orioles scout, directly responsible for Jackson Holiday. He and Gary caught up with Maryland football coach Mike Loxley. And he also previewed the Maryland Cycling Classic with KOM Sports Marketing Steve Brunner. Find these shows under the videos tab at facebook.com Pressbox Sports or at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Stan and Ross are back on Monday with another great show as they are speaking with Scott McGregor, former Orioles left-handed ace at 6 p.m. So you'll want to tune in for that. We're going to move right into sounding off with Zach Goodman. Now, look, this is all Zach today. I read his notes for this, <laughs> and I have no idea who these two guys are. So this That's is, why I'm doing this. This is, this is all Zach. So I, I'm, I'm pretty big on prospects. I love the minor leagues, and I'm interested in guys that I think deserve more recognition than they get. And and these two guys that I'm going to talk about are recognized. I'll put that out there. I just think they deserve a little more, and I think they're really exciting, and I think they're going to be superstars in this league at some point. So it's kind of prediction time for me. But MLB Pipeline, they recently released their new uh, updated Top 100, as has Baseball America and all the other ones. But we're going to go off Pipeline's rankings just for uh, this current segment. So at number 35, the first guy I want to talk 
talk about here is the Nationals outfielder James Wood. He was drafted by the Padres in the second round. He's actually, both of these guys are Maryland natives for whatever reason that just happened to be. Um, but James Wood actually was drafted from IMG Academy down in Florida. That's where he played his high school baseball. But this guy is an absolute possible five-tool monster. Um, mm-hmm. This is one of the guys who the Nationals you know, got in, in uh, for Juan Soto. It's one of the guys that they went out and got. And the power is off the charts. This is plus, plus power, plus, plus speed. You don't see too many guys who have both of those things. And then you look at the numbers down um, in the minor leagues right now, and he's, he's basically tearing it. He's basically tearing it up. Mm-hmm. Um, he, this is one of the guys that... I think is going to make waves. I think he's going to be in the top 10 prospects next year because you look at the numbers, you look at the raw arm strength, you look at the speed, the power. This guy's a five-tool What's player. his name again? James Wood. James Wood. From okay. IMG Academy. Again, a high school guy, second round uh, for, for the Padres a few years ago and now a national. And, and you say he, he's ranked 35th in the top 100? 35th according to Pipeline, right. Okay. And then the other guy I want to talk about is another Maryland native, native actually Severna Park native, um, and drafted from a high Mark school. Mark Teixeira? Well, not Mark Teixeira, but Jackson Merrill, uh, he's ranked at number 88, another Padres draft pick. I don't know why I picked these two guys out. I just I've always really liked these two, uh, but they happen to be both Padres draft picks that are Maryland natives. Clearly, they're doing something right over here. Uh, this is another guy, possible five-tool talent, tearing it up in A-ball right now. You look at it, I think he's batting around 328 in A-ball. He's put up 11 home runs this year. The power's coming. This is a guy who's really growing into his body, possible defensive star as well. Jackson Merrill's another guy who I think next year we're going to be talking about as one of the best prospects in baseball because mm-hmm. you know not only the numbers are there but the tools are there. Two guys to really look out for, and I think James Wood, especially being right down you know right down the Beltway in uh, in, in Washington, is going to be a guy we're going to be hearing a lot about. And I, I really, if I had to put a comparison to James Wood, I think he could be like an Aaron Judge light. I think okay. that guy's that good. Um, so how, I, how old are these guys? Well, uh, they're they're both they're both high school draft picks. Jackson Merrill's nineteen now, and I believe James Wood now 20 okay so they're they're and still they're, young they're both playing in a ball both playing in a ball at the moment uh, high a or low a uh for merrill he's in low a i believe james wood is in high a at okay. the moment but they, they both look they both got a long way to go this is a you know not going to be in the majors next year probably even the year after but james wood is especially someone who i think realistically could be in the majors sooner rather than later and be helping the nationals because sure. they they are you know a rebuilding team they they have room to grow uh and, and he, he's going to be he's not going to be juan soto i don't want to say that but he's certainly Certainly a really good piece they got back in that trade, and I I, I really think he's going to be a star. Yeah, and look, I, I think when I was looking at your notes, your gripe was that these guys should be. You think they should probably should be, be ranked, ranked a little higher, r- r- be paid attention higher. to. Yeah. Um. The the thing with that is a they're nineteen and they're twenty years yeah, old. Yeah, sure, sure. And they're tearing the cover off the ball in a ball, mm-hmm. right? So. Kind of if, 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 the, if you're the, 19, 20 years old and you're a top 100 prospect, yeah. you should be tearing the cover off the I ball don't in, in, in yeah. a ball. If they were doing this in double A yeah. or triple A, yeah, man, they're probably top 20 prospects. Yeah, yeah. But and they because, could be next because, year because they're so young and because they're still only in a ball. That's why they're pro- that, that's probably why. And 35, mm-hmm. rank number 35 for a guy who's Things in a ball higher. is. I think that's a high ranking for somebody who's yeah. 19, 20 years old and playing in A-ball. I mean, now you look at Jackson Holiday, who's the first overall draft pick yeah. for the Orioles this year, and he's ranked 14. 14. But yeah. th- th- that just shows how special a talent they think he, he really Did is. Did you get a chance to check out the new pipeline list? Was there anything you thought was kind of egregious, or was there anything that stood out to you about that list? Um, the pipeline list, not so much. Okay. Um, I, I can't remember if it was Keith Law or Kylie McDaniel or if it was baseball. One of these lists 
had Colton Kowser ranked 97th. Yeah, that's and, really and, low. And yeah. th- to me, everything he's done at Double A in his first full pro season, he has been a revelation at Double A. Look, he's he struggled a little bit there for for a while at High A, but he gets a promotion to Double A. And, and when I say struggled, he was still hitting like 258. Right at, at high A, he gets a promotion to Double A, which is where usually your best prospects are. And he's cooled off a little bit, but he's batting over three twenty. Right. The power's there. You know, he's playing good defense. To have him ranked ninety seventh on a top one hundred list to me was a little egregious. I felt like that. Okay. Like, like, seeing him at number forty three uh, on the MLB pipeline yeah. top one hundred, that seems about right Agreed. for him. And if he continues to to hit the way he's hitting the rest of the year, and if he go or and honestly, he could be making his way up to Triple A after this weekend uh, to to fill the spot yeah. left by Stowers. I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised to see that. I wouldn't be either. I, I think that he could come in to next year, maybe a top thirty prospect. Sure. Um, and honestly, I think Colton Kowser is a guy who might factor into the Orioles' plans as early as the first half of next year. Oh, I think so, too. I, yeah. I, I think Colton Kowser is special. And you look at what the Orioles have done with Adley Rushman and Taron Vavra and how they've really tried to include them you know, recently in the second half of the season because of their plate discipline is, is two of the things that makes them, or, or really the reason that makes them such you know, impactful and important players for the Orioles. These guys get on base at you know, 360, 370 clips. That's what I think Colton Kowser is going to do. He's going to be an advanced approach. He's going to walk a lot. He's going to give you good at bats night and night out. I think that's really what's important about him. Yeah, and th- that's something that we've seen from this regime with the guys that you're drafting. They're right. drafting the the high on base, guys. the high on base, low strikeout, high batting average guys. That's that's who they're drafting, yeah. and you're starting to see it. And Vavra wasn't drafted by the Orioles, but they traded for him specifically because of his hitting and on base capabilities. Mm-hmm. And you're starting to see these guys graduate to the major leagues. Adley right. Rutschman has the highest on base percentage in baseball since the All-Star break. Um Taron Vavra is getting on base at a 370 clip right now despite the bat slowing down a little mm-hmm. bit. Kyle Stowers is a guy who gets on base at a 370 clip um despite all the strikeouts. You know what I mean? So you're starting to see these guys graduate to the big league level and it's only going to get better from here. And that's that's probably the most exciting thing is that you see Guys who have much more professional bats right. making their way to the big league roster. Very nice, Zach. When I first read that last night, I was like, I don't know that like I'm going to be able to be any part of this. But <laughs> I was also dead dead tired, and you know my brain's functioning. It doesn't seem like it, but my brain's functioning a little bit better. A little That's bit good. Better That's today. good. All right, we got to catch our first break. We've done a lot of reads already, so we'll we'll wait to do another read till after the break. Um, when we come back in, Nathan Ruiz from the Baltimore Sun will join us. It is the Batter Round. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com glory days grill great food good sports 
Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. All right, we are back here on the bat around. We are through the first hour. The first hour of today's show was brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. You can come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook in the NFL this season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. It is the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast where you can take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Is it ringing at all? all right, I, uh, did you mute Stan's mic when we got him off the phone? Okay. We're having a hard time getting in contact here with um, with Nathan Ruiz, who's supposed to join us here. Um, Zach, do me a favor. Call my phone. And while, while he does that, I do want to talk a little bit about Jackson Holiday, who is off to a tremendous start for the Florida Complex League in his pro, as his pro career gets off the ground. Uh, he hit a homer yesterday. He also had a double. Um, he also had a double. Hang on one second. Just got a yes. 
So I just got a text from Nathan Ruiz asking if we were the uh, 281 number, 2801 number. So maybe give him another call. But Jackson Holiday, a homer and a double yesterday. His first career home run. He also had a walk, uh, stealing a few bases down there. The important thing here, he has a hit in every game to this point uh, in his professional career. He has five walks and just one strikeout to start his professional career. Now, this is a guy who was drafted 1-1 overall by the Orioles um, back on back in, just last month. Tremendous start for him. He said that he expects to be in the big leagues in two years. He's off to the start that would make you think that that could be a possibility. Look, the Florida Complex League ends on Tuesday the 23rd. So we may be looking at him going to Delmarva or even to Aberdeen uh, for his next stint. Um, but yeah, a, a, a tremendous start for Jackson Holiday. You get nervous, right? When you draft a high school guy, 1-1 one, one overall, and then you look at him and he's got that baby face, right? It looked like they drafted a 14-year-old kid, but the bat plays, he's off to a tremendous start, and we're excited to see how his career progresses from here as, again, Five. The, the the thing I'm most impressed about. Yeah, he's getting the hits. You expect him to get the hits if they're that, that kind of a talent. The five walks to just one strikeout at the in his first taste of pro ball really says to me that this is a kid who could have a really really and should being a one one overall pick might have a very bright future ahead of him. So kudos to Jackson Holiday for his performance to start his professional career. With that in mind, we now move to Nathan Ruiz of the Baltimore Sun, who is live with us here on the Bat Around. Good morning, Nathan. How are you today? Doing well, Paul. How are you? I'm doing very well. First and foremost, I saw that you just got engaged. Congratulations to you. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. And we really appreciate you joining the show uh, for us today. Been trying to get you for a while, so happy to finally have you back on the bat around here. Now, we were I was just talking about Jackson Holiday, and he is off to a tremendous start in his pro career. Uh, the number that stood out to me, five walks to just the one strikeout. We know that the Florida Complex League ends on Tuesday. Uh, do we are we going to see him move to Delmarva or Aberdeen or is it kind of just they send him back to Sarasota and he continues to get his work in and then that's kind of it for Pro Bowl for this year? Yeah, I haven't heard I haven't heard anything definitively as far as that goes. I, I don't think it'd be a surprise if they did decide to do do the latter. Just given you know we're talking about an 18 year old kid first season of Pro Bowl. Um, it, you know, it is possible that they they bump him up. You know, you look back at what they it's it's hard because there's not necessarily a clean comp. For him, I guess with Gunner, you know, two years ago in 19 or three years ago now, they didn't, you know, rush him up to Delmarva up to an affiliate. They kind of just let him finish out the year in Florida. So I, I would assume that's maybe the best comparison for it. Obviously, that circumstance is a little different even because the draft was in June then and not July. Obviously, Jackson got kind of a, a rough, rough go of it because he didn't, you know, he played his last game of his senior season in May and then wasn't back on a field until, you know, this month. So, um, you know, I think they're just going to, you know, they're going to give him the best opportunity to succeed and whatever that is. And, and, you know, obviously they've already rushed up a lot of those college guys who they got up to Delmarva, but I think Jackson's probably in a little bit different circumstance. Yeah. And that would seem to be the move that makes sense. Now you mentioned Gunnar Henderson and he's been getting work at first base this past week down in Norfolk. Uh, he's made starts there in two of the last three games. Should we be reading the tea leaves here that maybe he could be the next guy called up, um, because they, they don't really have somebody else to play first base other than Tyler Nevin. Maybe he's the next guy called up and he can help this team make a playoff push. Yeah, I think they're just trying to add, you know, 
some versatility to him. I think obviously long term he's going to be on the left side of the sure. infield in some fashion, whether that be as a above average shortstop or as a plus third baseman. He's going to end up on the left side. I think it's just something where they're trying to create an opportunity for him. You mentioned Tyler Nevin, obviously um, has been up a lot of the year, but really hasn't, unfortunately for him, done a whole lot um, with his opportunities. Um, so we've seen, you know, Taron Vavra get some work at first base. Anthony Santander get some work around first base. Adley Rutschman did a little bit of on the bag work. I didn't really see him take any ground balls mm-hmm. at all. He's kind of just, you know, he was just doing some work over there. So I, I think the, those options exist if they need to, and they're just trying to create more flexibility. You know, Ryan Mountcastle isn't going to play first base every day. It's just modern baseball. He's going to get some rest days. He's going to DH some. Um, and so I think they're just trying to find another option. Obviously, you know, they had one in Trey Mancini and traded him away and, um, but I, I think that they're, you know, trying to find another option. And if, it, if, it, if being able to play first base is what allows Gunner to come up, then, then whatever works. If that's what's going to get his bat in the lineup is the ability to fill in at third, fill in at short, play some first base. If that's what's going to do it, then that's what he's doing. You know, obviously it's unfortunate that they, it feels like they're adding another box for him to check before a call up. And mm-hmm. um, th- that is what it is, but it's just making sure that when he comes up, they're going to want him to play every day and just, trying to create the opportunity for him to do that. Now, how impressive is it for the Orioles to graduate the number one prospect in baseball this year in Adley Rutschman, only to have their their own farmhand become the next number one overall prospect in baseball, and now he might make it to the bigs in the same season? That's something I've, I don't I don't know if that's ever happened. Yeah, I, 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 it's not like a the easiest thing to check, but if you look at um, how Baseball America like reports their prospect standings, they consider their official list to be the off-season list, so a mid-season list like this one that has Gunner at number one doesn't necessarily apply, but mm-hmm. never on an off-season list have two players from the same team, same draft class, both been the number one overall prospect. And so Adley was number one on last year's off-season list. If, you know, Gunner's probably going to retain rookie eligibility, so he'll, he'll, be, he'll have the chance to be number one on this off-season list. So that would be the first time that ever happened. Obviously, those are the first two picks under Michael Elias in that 2019 draft, and then Kyle Stowers was the third pick. In, in that group. So obviously a really, really impressive top, top of that group. You've got Joey Ortiz with, was in that group as well. Like it's just, um, you got Maverick Hanley. There's a lot of guys who have had a lot of success from that initial draft class. And so um, I think it really speaks to what, you know, the Orioles have targeted in those drafts, how they're developing them after they arrive in the system. Obviously we've seen success that a, a guy in 2020 and Jordan Westberg has had and Hudson Haskin, another 2020 guy and Colton Cowser from 2021 and Connor Norby really turn it up once they got the buoy. And so I, I think there's just a lot of, really talented pieces in play here and and that bodes well for their future whether they keep all those guys or whether they move some of them for other assets and you mentioned uh you mentioned kyle stowers and he was the the orioles third pick in that same draft as adley and Gunnar henderson he was called up yesterday i can't remember if it was you or if it was zach zach uh silver that tweeted out it's his re-debut which i thought was uh pretty brilliant because he made that day debut in toronto but it was out of necessity uh because of an unvaccinated player and he wasn't added to the 40 man so he makes his orioles home debut last night was this was this weekend kind of in the plans for a while now, or was it more of a uh, move in reaction to how bad the offense had been to that point for the past week? Yeah. First off the, the re-debut credit on that goes to Zach. Um, I did like how Kyle put it personally of saying, you know, in Toronto, that was my debut, but this feels like the call up. So I I liked, I liked both phrasings of that, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I think with Kyle, you know, the, the Orioles emphasized making sure prospects graduate AAA. And he was a guy who it seemed like he had done that for a while. Mm-hmm. And obviously there were still areas they felt like he, he needed to grow in. 
I, I'm sure it's a combined aspect. You know, they wouldn't have promoted a guy unless they felt he was ready for the big leagues. Sure. Um, but also, their their offense has scuffled of late. You're adding another guy to the mix who who has some pop. Obviously, you know, he comes up and plugged is plugged right into the fifth spot in the lineup. Um, you know, Adley Rutschman in his major league debut, and again, I know it was it was Stowers' re-debut as discussed, but um, you know, Adley hit sixth in his first major league game, and so um, it speaks to you know the impact they think Kyle's going to have, the impact they think he can have. We saw it last night with a couple singles. Uh, a bit of a base running aggressiveness, played a solid right field. So it, it, he's a guy who's who's going to get a lot of action, as Brandon Hyde said. And um, I do think a part of it is them, you know, wanting to make a push. At the same time, um, they still have an open 40-man spot. They sent down Taron Vavra. Not sent down, excuse me. They, they put him on the paternity list. They had an opening on the roster for another infielder, and they called up Richie Martin. They mm-hmm. very easily could have selected Gunnar Henderson's contract as well and, like, really pushed for this thing. And I think, again, you know, like I mentioned before, with wanting to add first base to his toolbox, that is something that remains a possibility. They still only have 39 players on their 40-man roster. So it, it'd be pretty flexible for them to, to make a move of that sort in the near future. But for right now, you know, they added Kyle, and, and it seemed at least for a night that it gave them quite the jolt. Now, do you think that that move, because I noticed that too, that they could have called up somebody else to add, like a Gunnar Henderson, but you have to have, uh, if, if you come up, if, you get, if you're a prospect and you get called up, in the last 45 days of the regular season, you maintain that rookie eligibility. Now, also, you can't accrue more than 130 at-bats. Tomorrow is 45 days, and then the Orioles have the off day on Monday. Do you think that we could see a call-up of Gunner as soon as Tuesday uh, for that next series? I mean, I frankly don't know that the Orioles really care all that much about the rookie eligibility aspect. Like, they're, If they're concerned about anything in all this, it's the service time aspect. Like. Mm-hmm. I've seen a few other people reference the, the rookie eligibility aspect. Like that's that's for the player. That's for like I guess you could argue like they would like to have the ability for him to be the number one prospect in baseball again this offseason, but I don't think they're overly concerned with that external sure. stuff. Like once you get past the the two weeks into the season for a year of service time and you know, the couple months into the season for super two status, I think your focus becomes like when's he ready for the majors? Like I don't think they necessarily need to concern himself themselves with that. Like I think the factor becomes do we call him up now and, you know, get the clock running or do we do what was maybe thought they might do with Adley pre-injury of keeping him down for a couple weeks in the next season. And obviously I think, um, you know, as someone who would have to write off season stories again about service time and keeping players down and all that stuff, I would prefer that he comes up. I think it would add some excitement. I think it would add some energy. I think it would show that they're going for it more than any other move they could possibly make. Um, but if they feel like, you know, he has things he needs to work on, they're going to prioritize those. And we're seeing that with him getting some work at first base. Um, and so, if they feel like, hey, he can be our backup third baseman, be our, or excuse me, backup first baseman, be our everyday third baseman, get some work at shortstop too, then then if, if he checks the boxes that they're looking for, and there's the same thing with Adley Rutschman, and it's not necessarily always known what those boxes are, but the second that Adley caught, caught three straight games, he got an off day, and then he was at Camden Yards. And so I don't know if there's, you know, Gunner plays four or five games at first base. Like, I don't, that's just me throwing something out. I don't have inside information on that. Sure. Like, it's completely speculative, but... If they have a box they want to check with Gunner in terms of you know his capabilities at first base, if he checks that box and that's what they're waiting on, then we'll see him. But until then, I, I you know I don't know that the rookie eligibility is a factor outside of like wanting to give the kid the opportunity to win rookie of the year next year. A couple more minutes here on the battle round with Nathan Ruiz of the Baltimore Sun. Now you mentioned Kyle Stowers and the impact he had batting fifth. He laces the two singles over 100 miles an hour exit velocity last night. He comes into the lineup, bats fifth, and the Orioles go out and score 15 runs and have 11 extra base hits. Um, that's a pretty a pretty big impact, is it not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's funny that, yeah, you know, who knows how much influence he had on that. Sure. Obviously, his presence deepens the lineup 
Um, it was I was, had like a running joke going early in the game that every inning he took in at bat, they scored at least three runs. And that ended, I think, in the seventh inning. So mm-hmm. through six innings, you know, they didn't score in two of those innings. But in the other four, they scored at least three runs, and he took in a bat in all of those. So um, obviously some, you know, causation, correlation argument to be made there. But um, he's a guy who's going to deepen the lineup as a left-handed power bat. You know, Brandon Hyde's been talking all season. You know, we heard it earlier this month with Brett Phillips and Rugnet Odor about wanting to get lefties in the lineup. And obviously, Stowers bats left-handed and Gunnar Henderson bats left-handed. And I think you can, um, you know, connect some dots there, so to speak. But, you know, they, they have a lot of right-handed starters lined up to face them over the next couple of weeks. And so, um, obviously, we saw him sit Kyle Stowers in Toronto when they were facing lefties. And, and I think that that might continue to be the case, even though Stowers had really good numbers in the minors against lefties. And so, uh, they're just going to prioritize the matchups that they think work best. We'll see it eventually, you know, where – whenever Taron Vavra comes back, that they have a lineup with Adley and Taron and Kyle, and it's just, you know, three of their top position player prospects or top young hitters, Adley's graduated from prospect status. But uh, it, it's just going to be a lineup that's a little bit more well-formed, a little more future-focused, and I think that should be exciting for all Orioles fans. And then final question, I really do appreciate you, Nathan, taking some time for us on a busy day with the Orioles having a day game today. Grayson Rodriguez, when he had the lat injury uh, back in June, I thought he was done for the year. I, I didn't think he was going to pitch at all. Uh, but now it seems like Mike Elias has said that he's going to get uh, pitch off a game mound at some point again this season. He seems inclined to, to say that he's going to pitch again this year. If Grayson Rodriguez does pitch again this year, is it going to be for the Orioles? And if so, will they add him to the 40-man before September so that he could be available for the postseason should they make it? Yeah, I, I think that anything, expecting to, you know, nail anything down on Grayson is tough to say. Yeah. Um, I don't think that they're going to necessarily, you know, we know we see what they're doing with DL now, uh, using him as a reliever, obviously, to manage his innings somewhat down this final stretch while also making him, you know, a, a, a late season weapon for them. I don't know that we'll necessarily see a similar usage out of Grayson. I think they continue to see him as a starter. Obviously, him getting shut down in the manner he did um, affected his innings for the year. Um, I think the priority is just going to be getting him healthy, less so, in the same manner of like making sure dudes graduate and making sure they're ready for the big leagues. And obviously, I think if he had gotten to that last start healthy, it was not going to be long before he was up in the majors, unfortunately. So I, I think the priority is just making sure he's healthy um, before prioritizing, you know, adding him. Obviously, we've seen some slip-ups of late, but this pitching staff has, had re- has been really solid all season long. Um, and so I think, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of riding what they've got. And obviously, they'll, they'll expand the roster by a couple guys. Um, in September and, and figure it out from there. And I'm sure DL will be in consideration for one of those spots. But as far as Grayson goes, I imagine the priority is getting him healthy and, and seeing where things go from there. Uh, and I think that would probably be the correct approach. Nathan, thank you for taking some time out of your schedule for us today. Have a great weekend. Hopefully we'll talk to you here down the line. Yeah, sounds great, Paul. Thanks so much. Take care. And that was Nathan Ruiz from the Baltimore Sun taking some time out of his busy schedule to join us here on the Battleground. I've been trying to get Nathan for months, and he's just always been so busy. So I'm sure. glad he could he could squeeze us in there. We're going to catch our second break. When we come back, the payoff pitch around the league and Orioles banter. That and more next on the Battleground. Just want to remind you that sports betting has come to Maryland, and we are ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook's general manager. Manager Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all the info you need and offer you a few winners. So come win money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. You can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Next on the Bat Around, Orioles banter and more. 
Visit Howard County presents the 2022 Major League Quidditch Championship, a Harry Potter-inspired, real-life, full-contact, mixed-gender, 12-team Quidditch tournament happening at Troy Park in Elkridge, August 20th through the 22nd. For tickets and more information, go to visithowardcounty.com. Maryland, be open for it. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom. From his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also, inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State. And we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily cover of demos, ravens, and terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Forget plus-minus odds, Swagger uses points for a better way to understand probabilities. If you're tired of losing because of one bad pick, with Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You just create a lineup of 4-10 to 10 simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. So you can be half right and all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site as much as 50 times your buy-in. Plus, you can play all the major pro sports, including your favorite local team, if you're ready to play, visit playwithswagger.com slash pressbox to sign up and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out. Plus, they'll match your first deposit 100% up to 100 bucks. It's free money to play with Swagger. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fankind. Playwithswagger.com slash pressbox. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 11.40. Fendel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 11.40, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Kronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Welcome back to the bat around here on a hot but beautiful Saturday morning. It is time now for the payoff pitch around 
the league. Adley Rutschman, Anthony Santander, and Ryan Mountcastle went 8 for 15 with three home runs, two doubles, and nine RBIs. The Orioles won a slugfest with Boston 15 to 10. Kevin Gossman spun seven shutout innings. It was backed by Teoscar Hernandez, two run homer to lead the Blue Jays over the reeling Yankees 4 to nothing. It was the Yankees' 14th loss in their last 18 games and now hold just an eight game advantage over the Blue Jays. It took 10 innings, but the Royals got a sack fly from Michael Massey and extra to stop Tampa Bay 3 to 2. Bobby Witt Jr. homered in the victory. The Twins got solo home runs from Luis Arise and Jose Miranda, and former Oriole Dylan Bundy allowed one run over five in the third innings to pick up the victory over the lifeless Rangers 2-1. to one. Former Oriole Jorge Lopez closed things out for his 22nd save. Eugenio Suarez mashed two home runs and drove in five as the Mariners continued to take advantage of arguably baseball's easiest second-half schedule, blowing out the AL worst athletics 10-2. to I love saying his name. It's so fun to say his name. Eugenio. Eugenio Suarez. Uh, Jose Ramirez homered, but the real star was Tristan McKenzie, who struck out 14 White Sox batters over seven innings of two-run ball in Cleveland's 5-2 win over the Southsiders. In a matinee on the north side, it was a back-and-forth affair between the Cubs and Brewers. It was ultimately decided when Christopher Morell hit a two-run shot in the home half of the sixth to put the Cubs up 8-7, to a score that would hold up the rest of the way. Did you see any of that game yesterday? I did not, no. It was ridiculous, man. Every time, it was, it was legitimately from like innings two through six, it was... Cubs take the lead. Brewers take the lead. Wow. Cubs take the lead. Yeah. It was it was it's awesome. Fun. It was awesome. Um Ben Gamble had three hits. Kevin Newman drove in a pair, and Bryce Wilson tossed seven solid innings to push Pittsburgh past Cincy uh, five to my my notes changed it to Cindy past Cincy five to four. Pete Alonso connected on his thirtieth home run and joined David Wright as the only two Mets players with multiple hundred RBI seasons in their first four years as the Mets took care of the Phillies seven to two. The Angels' Jared Walsh launched his 15th home run, a solo shot, which proved to be enough as Patrick Sandoval went the distance, striking out nine in a complete game, one nothing shutout of the Tigers. Mike Trout went one for four in his first game since July 12th. Austin Riley and Dansby Swanson combined for five hits and five RBI to back Kyle Wright's six solid innings and a brave 6-2 win over the Astros. Rookie Eddie, Eddie Huras? Elihuas Montero uh, homered twice and drove in five for the Rockies as they took care of the fading Giants 7-4. Alex Wood allowed a season-high seven runs on a season-high three home runs in the loss. The Nationals' bullpen allowed just two base runners and struck out six in four and two-thirds innings of relief. And 27-year-old rookie Alex Call connected for his first career home run, a two-run shot in a three-run ninth to put the final nail in the coffin as the Nationals defeated the Padres 6-3. San Diego is now just 6-11 and since acquiring Juan Soto, Josh Bell, and Josh Hader. Hader has a 16-20 ERA, 3.00 whip, and 385 batting average allowed since joining the Padres. Paul Goldschmidt homered and Nolan Arenado Smack three doubles, a duo combining to go seven for nine with four RBIs and the Cardinals five to one victory over Arizona. Paul Goldschmidt's got to be the front runner for MVP. So good right now. Three thirty six yeah. batting average, thirty homers, ninety. He, he's got to be the MVP. He's got to be. Mookie. Mookie. Mookie <laughs> Betts finished a homer shot of the cycle, and the Dodgers got a run in the seventh and another in the eighth to fend off the Marlins two to one. Tyler Anderson allowed one run over seven innings for the Dodgers, but did not factor in the decision. Zach, what you got first on tap today? Got some good games. Uh, Mets have a double header today with the Phillies. They will play their first one at 105. Trevor Williams has had a good year against Zach Wheeler, arguably the Phillies ace today, 105 in Philly. Blue Jays and Yankees. Mitchell White, the former Dodger, goes up against the former Astro Garrett Cole, 105 at Yankee Stadium. Angels at Tigers. Reed Detmers, the rookie, takes on 
Tyler Alexander, the lefty, 110 at Comerica Park. Brewers and Cubs, Freddie Peralta. I'm a huge Freddie Peralta fan against Marcus Stroman and his Chicago Cubs, 220 at Wrigley Field. The Red Sox and Michael Waka against Kyle Bradish and the Baltimore Orioles, 405 here at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Royals at Rays, Chris Bubich versus Drew Rasmussen. Drew Rasmussen took almost a, a no-hitter for a very long time against the Orioles into that ninth inning, 410. Perfect game. Perfect game it was, 410 at Tropicana Field. Johnny Cueto is having a resurgence this year. He'll start for the Chicago White Sox against the Cleveland Guardians, 610 at Progressive Field. Shane Bieber, who's had a really decent year, coming back and making another start here for the Guardians. Reds at Pirates, Justin Dunn versus Tyler Bede, 705 at PNC Park. Probably not one you're going to watch there. It's a not a very good game, Reds at Pirates. Texas Rangers at Minnesota Twins, 710 at Target, Target Field. Glenn Otto versus Chris Archer at Target Field. Second game of that doubleheader with the Mets and the Phillies. David Peterson takes on Bailey Falter, 715 there at in Philly. Mariners at Athletics, Logan Gilbert versus James Caparelan. Uh, that's a hard name to say. 715 at the O.co. Astros at Braves, Christian Javier, one of the, the better pitchers in the American League this year against Spencer Strider, one of the better pitchers in the National League this year. 715 in Atlanta at Truist Park. Giants at Rockies, Alex Cobb, the former Oriole, takes on Ryan Feltner, the Colorado Rocky starting pitcher, 810 at Coors Field. Cardinals at D-backs, Dakota Hudson versus Madison Bumgarner, 810 at Chase Field. Nationals, they'll start Josiah Gray, who they got for the Dodgers last year, against Joe Musgrove and his San Diego Padres, 840 in San Diego. Marlins at Dodgers. Marlins, they will start Braxton Garrett. The Dodgers do not know who they have going tonight yet at 9-10 at Dodger Stadium. That's all we have. Not too many games on tap, but uh, the Mets and Philly is always a fun one, so they, they play two today. Should be a, a good yeah. slate of games. Orioles got the 405 game against... Yeah. Um Against the Red Sox today, I didn't realize Michael Walker was having such a good He's year. He's having he a really was, good year. He was really good in St. Louis, and then I think he went to Tampa Bay after that, mm. and he wasn't he wasn't great. Them. I think you're right, yeah. But but he's had he's having a really like a 2.44 ERA. How about the year Johnny Cueto's having? Well, and that's that's I, I was looking at my phone. I was trying to figure out what you had said that made me want to go look something up, but I forgot it that quickly. And it's Johnny Cueto. Yeah, he's been unreal. He's been he's been incredible. Now I don't know that he ever had a huge fall off. I think he was just one of those yeah, guys that that people like. I mean, yeah, he had a, 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 an above five ERA yeah. in 2019 and 2020, but last year in 22 and 21 starts. A 4.08 ERA. I mean, he's this year's been, in the twos, though. If I'm he's a, correct, he's at two seven eight in yeah, seventeen yeah. games, sixteen starts. Really good. He's he's always been really good. I mean, sometimes you have those bad seasons. I remember in nineteen ninety six, Mike Mussina won nineteen games, but his mm -hmm. ERA was like four eighty five. Yeah, right. Like like it was arguably his worst year, but he he won nineteen games because he would have scored almost a thousand runs. Yeah, that year. Yeah. Like, like guys have. Randy Johnson pitched to a five ERA mm -hmm. in New York. Like guys have bad years. By the way, speaking of that Randy Johnson, uh, I guess analogy you made before, mm -hmm. Nolan Ryan's another guy who right. in, I thought about in, him too. In, in the late 60s was a reliever for the Mets before ending up as one of Houston's one of the great starters of all time. So it, it's we're not saying D.L. Hall is going to become one of those guys. He's not Randy Johnson or Nolan Ryan, but you know that's it. Just but goes he, to show that it can happen if you don't give him the opportunity to start and right. figure out he will never. Have the chance become one right. of those guys, and, and and that's the point. That's the overall point that I was trying to make. Not not that he will be one of those guys, and that you can compare him mm -hmm. to 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 those guys, 
but he never has a chance to become that. Right. You know, and th- this is a guy who has a four-pitch mix from the left side and throws 100 miles an hour. That's a special arm. It is. That is a special arm. It, it, it's not like he's a Roldis Chapman who he has like a changeup and, and a fastball. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or Mariano Rivera where he has one pitch. He has a four-pitch mix. He can, right. he can throw all of them for, just because he doesn't do it very often. He can doesn't mean he can't do it. He can throw all four pitches for strikes. Yeah. And he throws 100 miles an hour from the left side. This is a guy who has needs to be given every opportunity to flourish. And look, we've seen what the Orioles have done with Spencer Watkins and Austin Voth and five waiver claims in the bullpen. Right, right. You really think that a, that a big league that that big league pitching staff that's turned these guys' careers around can't do that for DL Hall? Well, that's that's the thing. I mean, they. I, I think you look at Chris Holt and the impact he's made. I don't know if there's a guy or a, or a coach specifically in this organization who's made a bigger impact than Chris Holt. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, Austin Voth. Go look at his numbers in in Washington. They're terrible. I mean, he was never yeah. good in Washington. He and had he, one season where he made like nine starts and pitched like a three twenty three year. Not a huge sample size right. though, if I remember correctly. And then you look at Perez and another guy who's never been good throughout his career. And it's just he's turning these guys who are relatively. I describe them as no names for the most part into really solid pitchers for the Orioles. Mm-hmm. And that's been the biggest thing. I mean, the Orioles struggled from 2012 to 2016, even though they won the most games in the American League in that span. They struggled with, with starting pitching, really, the whole time. Mm-hmm. They had a good bullpen. They always did. I mean, the 20, 2014, uh, their starting staff pitched to a 3 6 1 year. It right? did. That, that, but, that, that, and that's why they won 96 games. Right. It, it, you're right. Uh, but there were. Uh, there were never really consistent stretches where the Orioles pitched very well in that right. starting they, rotation. They, the, bull, the bullpen was always a lot better. Yeah, and, and but look, and not to talk about that five-year stretch, but they did have consistently guys like Wei Yin Chen, sure, and Chris Miguel Tillman Gonzalez. and Miguel Gonzalez, yeah. who who gave, went out there and gave them quality innings. But after that, it was Kevin Gossman was up and down, up and down, up and down. Right. Ubaldo Jimenez was never what they paid him no. to be, and then um. Who was Bud Norris had the one good year. Yeah. He had the one good year, and that was about it. So, but look, th- this this Orioles team, and, and it brings me to my point that Stan made, and he where I was saying, why wouldn't you like these guys have done enough, and it's late enough in the year that you should be willing to give them that extra inning? And he said, well, they're kind of out over their skis, and you know, the, the you you want to trust your bullpen. Well, the the bullpen is the exact same thing, right? You have sure. five, you have five waiver claims. In your bullpen, well, four now, I guess, because you're not because Jorge Lopez is gone, right? But you have a bunch of guys who had done nothing, right, in their careers, and now you have one of the best bullpens in baseball, right? These starters have done nothing in their careers, and now they're going out there every fifth day, and they're they're giving you quality they're shoving, innings. Yeah. So why do you trust one? But not trust the other. It's the exact same thing, just just smaller amounts of innings from Correct. these other guys. You can make that argument, like, okay, well, these guys are outperforming what they what you expect them to do. The bullpen has too, and the bull, but the bullpen is overworked. Right. So if I'm going to lean one way or the other, I'm going to lean to the guys who are giving me six quality innings and say, right. you know what? Can you give me an extra inning? Can you yep. go out there for the boys and give me an extra inning sure. so that I can rest this bullpen and I can match up better by bringing Dylan Tate in in the eighth inning, which is when he really should be pitching, right. instead of having to use him in the seventh inning because I didn't bring you out and Brian Baker and Joey Crable came in and they couldn't get anybody out. Right. You know? Well, I think there's an element uh, that both 
of the the starting rotation of the bullpen are being overly taxed, and that's mm-hmm. the that's what it comes down to when you get to August. I mean, it's August twentieth. That's what you expect. These are the dog days of summer. They always call it that because guys are tired. I mean, you look at all of the guys. I think Trey Mancini's talked about it so often that you know you just get tired, you get run down, and especially pitchers. I mean, they're throwing so often that mm-hmm. I think almost everyone's a little bit out over their skis, if you want to use that analogy at this point, because that's how it gets to be in August it's just everyone starts to wear down everyone starts to be um fall everyone starts to falter and and the thing is is I was going to say this before too is that if you use the bullpen as much as you are and if you use these starters as much as they as the Orioles currently are they're going to falter at some point you're just not it's never going to be perfect you saw last night with Lyles right it's never going to be unbelievably consistent because Mm -hmm. that's just not the way this team is built to be and again there are a lot of waiver claims here there are a lot of guys that were no names elsewhere that they've made into players and that's credit to the Orioles but it's not to say that they won't falter at some point. That's inevitable. It's going right. to happen with anybody. Even Max Scherzer the other night. I was watching the Mets. He gave up four runs. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It just does. And and that's especially when you get into August and it's August 20th and September's right around the corner. This is when you see start you know guys start to really falter. And for me, the playoff teams, the ones that do the best and the ones that go the farthest in October are the ones that have the most depth and have the guys that, that don't falter quite as much in the And they, they have the guys that can dig a little bit deeper. Right. Right. Dig a little bit deeper and yeah. get that little bit little extra juice out right. to give you what you need. And that's my whole point is look, man, you know how taxed your bullpen is. Yeah. Ask Austin Voth if he can give you one more. Exactly. Let 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 Joey Crable come in into a clean inning. Now and and we're gonna get into Hyde's decision because what what he did with Crable the other day against the Cubs, I I I was mind blown. I was mind blown by it. But I'm like if these guys are giving you six quality innings, or, or maybe maybe they've gone like last night, Jordan Lyles. I get he was at eighty nine pitches. Give me that extra inning. Right. I, I know you've given up four runs and nine hits. Can you go out there and get me? A, and we're going to do everything to get you that win. If you can just get me three more right. outs, just get me three more outs. Right. If he does that, that game's probably not close. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you're not giving up five runs when you bring Keegan Aiken into the ball game right. and then having to go to another reliever because Keegan Aiken was ineffective. And I right. get that they were the errors, but you had to use two different relievers in the fifth inning instead of letting Lyles come back out, who was 30 pitches below or 20 pitches below a season high. Yeah. I mean, right? what happened last night, honestly, is concerning. And I was sitting there at the game thinking about it, just going, okay, there's Tate. There's Perez. I mean, it's just over and over. These guys are coming in, and I'm thinking, this is taxing. This is not good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a 15 to 10 win. 10 runs, 95% of the time, will win you a game. You, you, 95% you of the time. You gave up 19 hits. Right. I mean, last combined, night. what, 37? 37 from, hits. From both teams. C- combined. That can't happen. Again, 10, 10, win, uh, 10 runs for the Boston Red Sox, that's going to win them like 97% of the games they play if they put mm-hmm. up 10 runs. That's concerning to me. The fact that Keegan Aiken came in, didn't last. I mean, he lasted somewhat long enough, but I would have liked to seen a lot better, and I would have liked to seen him not give up five runs. However, I, the more concerning thing for me is just that they used so many guys. Right. So many guys, and so, so early, and so quickly. Right. You bring in Nick Vespi to get out right. of the inning. He gets out of the inning, but then gives up a run the next inning. Mm-hmm. Then you go to Dylan Tate in... What was it in the seventh inning? I think the you, sixth. I could be wrong. You, Six or seven. So Lyles went four innings, right? So Keegan yes. Aiken came in in the fifth. Yeah. He couldn't get out of it. Vespi then came in and got got out right. of the inning. So then Vespi pitched. Um, Vespi pitched that third of an inning, and then two thirds of an inning the next inning, and then you bring in Tate, and mm-hmm. then Tate goes 
two thirds of goes a full inning, but it was into the seventh inning. Yeah. Then you bring in Perez. Uh, and, I would and, never have taken Tate out. And, he and, was in total control. And, and and I'm sitting there and I'm like, why are you using like right. why would you not? Get, especially you just scored right. six runs the last two innings. You were up ten to four. Give Jordan Lyles the opportunity to go get a win in this game. Yeah, that's and, and, and rest your bullpen, even if it's just a little bit. Even if you get just that one extra right. inning, maybe now you don't need to use Keegan Aiken last night. Maybe you can go straight to Nick Vespi right. in the sixth inning. Maybe you, Or maybe you can go straight to, I, I don't know. But the, the fact is, instead of giving Lyles, who, again, only at 89 pitches, and, and I get that he's thrown a lot of innings, but you brought him in here to do this, Right. Right. Why not let him go out and, and at least start that fifth inning? If he starts getting in trouble, you can pull him. But given the opportunity, yeah. I'm asking. What I'm asking for is protect your bullpen and ask your and ask your starting rotation to give you a little bit more. And the thing is, Jordan Lyles a vet. Uh, he, he's a guy who's been around for a really long time, and mm-hmm. he's a guy who has faced his fair share of struggles. And we talked about it when they signed him. We said. He's going to have a great start there, and then it, then the next start, he's going to come out and not have a, a really good one. And that's kind of been the pattern for him, especially with Texas in the, the past few years. This, to me, is probably what the Orioles should have expected when they got a guy like this. Mm-hmm. So let him work through it. I don't really see it as that big of a deal. He had four runs, okay. I, I, and, and nine hits. But yeah, ke- but, that's a lot of hits. But, but, but again, it, Brandon Hyde should realize Keegan Aiken has not been good in the past two months. And, he hasn't been and, good at all. And, and Hyde... He and this is going to bring us into what I want to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to talk about next, which is Hyde's decisions, and and, right. and Hyde falls in love with these guys and the right? matchups and the matchups, and the yeah. matchups and and it and it turns turns sour. Yeah, and you can t- it's it's like it's like having milk in your refrigerator and mm. it's delicious. It's great <laughs> milk, and then the 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 sell by date passes, and then but it still tastes okay, and then you get like a week later. And now it's starting to form chunks, and it's starting to taste awful. Well, this is a fun but analogy. But you keep drinking it because you're hoping to get a little bit of that taste that you had when it was still good. Right. Right? That's what's happening with with some of these guys on this yeah. roster. You continue to trust them because they did it before, and they were right. good before. Well, now they've gone bad. Right. Now they've gone bad, and you've got to do what you've got to do to make sure it doesn't implode. And asking your starter to go an extra inning. Yeah. Letting Jordan Lyles come out at 89 pitches to pitch the fifth when he's thrown over 100 pitches like every start. And right. I get it. To the, if, if maybe the, He's probably looking at like, we really want to get him out of the game there because he has just thrown a lot of pitches and he's thrown a lot of pitches and a lot of innings for us this year. Okay, right. fine. I get that. But, you know, maybe you should have thought about that earlier this year instead of thinking about it now when you need them to dig deeper. Right. It, you got to ask them and they got to be willing to enable to do it so and, and and then with the Hodge decision we're talking about him pulling the starters I think a, a, a little too early mm-hmm. he has first off Ruth Neto door hits better against left-handed pitching than he does against right-handed does. pitching but he continues to sit him right against I think he, you know how I feel about Odor everybody knows how I feel about Odor right but if he's gonna play it should be against lefties yep right but he continues to sit him against lefties then he leaves him in to face the lefty after Austin Hayes gets reaches base on the error yeah. in the in the um what was it in the ninth inning yeah the other day and this was just this is just one of the poor decisions he made in mm-hmm. that game we're gonna talk about the other ones too he he had Nevin in the on deck circle but when Hayes got on base he left Odor in yeah first of all why are you gonna Ruth Neto Odor is here for one reason 
And it's be, aside on the field, he's here for, for I guess two reasons. He turns a really good double play, and he has those late inning heroics. He, he has does. that clutch gene, right? And, and he's a he's a clubhouse influencer, right? I but I'm say. but but on field, right? Okay, on, right. On, sure. on the field, he's here for those two things, right? Why are you going to pinch hit Tyler Nevin just to get just to get your matchups? Tyler Nevin hasn't yeah. had a big hit since June 11th when he hit that three run homer against the, <laughs> against the Royals. Tyler right? Nevin's batting 199 right. at the moment. So so you're going to pinch hit. Tyler Nevin yeah. in that situation, he's probably going to strike out, right? Because right? that's what he's been doing. Yeah. Then, but then you Hayes gets on first base, so you leave Odor in. So we're all thinking, oh, here comes the big Odor two run homer. He doesn't even get the chance to do it because Hyde tells him to bunt. Right. He doesn't get the bunt. He has two sacrifice bunts since 2019. He doesn't get the bunt down. In fact, he pops out to the first baseman. So now you've wasted an out, and yeah. Hayes is still on first base. Never mind the fact. That you shouldn't have been bunting anyway. Because yeah. he's only on first base. Because now, even if you get the bunt down and he's on second base, you still have to get that base hit and hope that he scores. And he's not guaranteed to score on a single from second base. So you may need to get two more hits. Right. Right? So uh, it was a bad decision to begin with. And people are like, well, if he gets, if Odor gets the bunt down, Mateo got that hit. Mateo doesn't see the, pitch, the same pitch sequence if he comes up with sure. a runner on second base. In that situation, he doesn't see the same pitch sequence. All right, uh, and then the, the the on top of that, Odor is here to hit home runs, which, Why, which he doesn't do. Which he doesn't <laughs> do, but he, when he does, they're big home runs. Why yeah. in the world are you bunting him? If, I I agree. If, if 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 Hayes let off with a double, I get the move. Sure, but he's Move, on first get, base get with third, nobody sure. out in a one-run ball game. Why on earth would you ask one of your most clutch players? And I'm not a no-door guy. No, but he's been one of your most clutch players this year. Why would you ask him to bunt? He's here for that sole reason to hit the, that two-run homer. I mean, the thing is about this too is that we don't really have any idea if Rugnetador is a good bunter or not. That's not something he's done throughout his career. At he any... laid one down that worked out against the um, against I, the Rangers on 4th of July. I, I guess it can work out once in a while. I just don't see that either. I don't get the decision. And I think I, I think part of the reason that I, I, Brandon High gets a lot of criticism and, and I'm not defending him here at all is that Mike Elias has dealt him this hand. And yeah, he, and he's got to there play, is that. And, he, and he's got to play the hand. He, he has to play Rugnetador at some point. I get that. But to play him five days a week but then to, to not use him in the situation where he's perhaps most useful that's where I start to lose any sort of logic there I, I'm losing where he's thinking I'm losing that and to me I uh, de door is is a terrible player and he shouldn't be on this team at all but if you have to let him hit at any time it's certainly going to be a time where there's a runner in first base in the ninth inning right to me that's the time where you let the guy swing away bunting he's not that fast He's not that fast. I mean, this right. is not a guy who's... It, he thinks he's fast. He, th he does think he's fast, but he's not Cedric Mullins. He's not Brett Phillips. He's not one of those burners that's going to get down the line super quick and beat almost anything out. He would have had to lay down probably a really good bunt there if he had any chance of beating it out. And, of course, your goal is to move Austin Hayes to second, but you never know. He, he could have turned into a double play, too. There's always a chance of that happening. So I don't support that decision at all. I don't, I don't get it. The logic behind it, to me, is not clear. Well, and, and that was in the ninth inning, and then Mateo gets the base hit. Hayes reaches second base, and then Mullins has that little looping liner that... Yeah. How do no, neither of those runners realize off the bat that that ball is going to be caught? Yeah. That that ball is going to be caught by the second... As soon as he hit it, I said, well, that's a, that's a flare out to second mm -hmm. base. And then I realized that they're both 25 feet off the <laughs> yeah. bag. They had no shot. Right. They had no shot of getting back, and that, that ends the ball game. 
Now, I look at the eighth inning, and the Orioles have runners on second and third with nobody out in Santander up. And I'm actually out walking, walking Bruce, and I'm looking at it on my phone, and I go, at worst, he needs to hit a deep fly ball to right field yeah. here. What does he do? He hits a deep fly ball to right field. Rutschman scores from third on the sack fly. Mountcastle moves up to third base. Yep. You have Mountcastle at third base. You're down three to two. Yep. It's a one-run ball game. You have one out and Ramona Rios up. And the infield is in. And they have Ryan Mountcastle off on contact. On a ground ball to third base. And people are like, Mount, somebody said to me that Mountcastle um, had a bad read there, that he needs to not be running on that. <laughs> if it's a contact play, the coaches... That's, Brandon, Brandon Hyde has relayed to Tony Mancellino. That's the sign that's on. Who has relayed yeah. to Mountcastle, you're off on contact. He, that's what he was told to right. do. The dumbest thing, because you took yourself right out of that inning. Yeah. You, it, it's a ground ball to third base. You took yourself right out of that inning. Instead, if say that he feels that ground ball and Mountcastle goes back to third, mm-hmm. maybe the guy throws the ball away. Maybe. Maybe the next guy comes up and gets a base hit. Maybe there's a wild pitch. A whole cavalcade of things can happen if you don't have the contact play on. Now, look, the next guy ended up striking out anyway, and they did, and they didn't score. I think it was Chirinos, and they didn't score. But you didn't even allow that to be an option. You right. sent Mountcastle. Now, instead of having a runner on third base and still having an opportunity to score to score a run here, you've taken yourself out of the inning. Now you have Arias on first base with two outs. It, it, the contact play, I, as soon as it happened, I said, why are you running? Right. Why are you running? Why would Hyde call for that? Because right. it was clear that that's what he called. I, I so disagree with that. If it's Mateo, if it's um, uh, Mullins, right. okay, they have an opportunity. The, 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 the hit, he had to reach to his right and then reset his feet and throw. I mean, reach to his left and then reset his feet and throw. Maybe one of those guys beats out. And the slide by Mountcastle was absolutely terrible. Yeah. Ain't on his butt the foot. He's a horrible, there. horrible slider. Yeah. Like, that's one of those things where if you have any shot, you got to go head first and try yeah. and swipe, swipe the, the plate. I hated the call there with that particular one. I'm runner, with you. Right? I, I, I don't think Mountcastle's as fast as people give him credit for. He's faster. He's fast for a size, but he's not a burner. No. By any stretch. Now, the one move that they, that they made that people were questioning is why would you bunt with Jorge Mateo, with runners on first and third, and nobody out, right? When, when Hayes got thrown out at the plate, one, he was safe. He was safe. All of replays, okay. he was safe. The, the the replays show that his oven mitt was on the plate, and then he got tagged in the face. Mm. He was safe. He was safe. But that's neither here nor there. I thought to myself, I knew Mateo was coming up, and I thought to myself, I'd have him bunt here. Yeah. And sure enough, that's what he did. Mateo has to get down a better bunt. He has to get down a better And again, bunt. that's a guy you bunt. Right. Because he's, what, third fastest player in the league? Rookman Adore is not. Right. And, and, and that's the guy you bunt. And people are sitting there and they're saying, um, why are you giving up and out instead of playing for the beginning? Yeah. You're bunting with Mateo. And if it's anybody else, you're not doing that. Right. You're bunting with Mateo because if he puts down a good bunt, you score the run and he's on first base. The guy who beats out every infield hit. Right. I mean, that's what he does. That's what he's, that Speed is his tool. That's why he's really here. It's speed and defense are his, are his you know, number one priority. So this is a guy who you're going to bunt in every situation you can. If, if, if this is a, you know, a run-scoring situation and you think you can get that bunt down... You absolutely do it every day of the year. And the pitcher made a nice play. Yeah. That he he flipped the he in one motion scooped the ground ball nice. with his glove and flipped it to the catcher. And Hayes was still safe, and they called him out. Right. 
the play wasn't stupid. The play worked, but the umpires got it wrong. Right. It, it, it was, it was a, in my mind, it was the right play. It was the right play. It's what I would have done. Now, I'm not a manager, but I, it, it's what I would have done. It's what I was thinking to do. It just didn't work out for you. I don't have an issue with that. But I do have an issue with with uh, Hyde and his matchups. Mm-hmm. That game against the Red Sox, where the Orioles look dead in the water, they get three runs there in that, in that seventh inning, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, this is a winnable game. And then with two outs and a runner on first base, he brings in Nick Vespi mm-hmm. to face Eric Hosmer because it's lefty-lefty. Right. Eric Hosmer is hitting 320 yeah. against left-handed pitching this year. And Vespi is a soft tosser who left one out over the plate that got smashed 400-plus yeah. feet off the wall in dead center with two outs, so the guy was off on contact. That's when you should be off on contact, right. by the way. Um, and he scores the run. Uh, he has Odor sitting versus lefties. He wants to bring in this guy to, to face this hitter. Even like the, the matchup thing is... He does it to a fault. Yeah, he does it to an absolute fault. He doesn't. He ignores the numbers. Right. Look, every manager has their flaws, right? And and the way that he has his team playing for him, and the way that they that they that they step up for him, and they want to play for him, it is remarkable. Mm-hmm. I don't know that hides the guy that I want making these that I want with his finger on the button when we need it. I I think I'm always I've always said this about managers. I don't know how much they can actually realistically affect a win-loss record uh, year to year. I, I think decisions like he's that he's made recently have definitely affected what they've been able to do, especially in late innings. The day-game punts. Uh, right. Day-game punts. Just puts out an awful lineup with Brett Phillips and, and McKenna in it. Now Brett Phillips is gone, obviously, but they, they, they do a lot of that with Chirinos and McKenna, stuff like that where you're going to get you know just less guys on base throughout the game because well, of that. They're, they're playing at 4 o'clock today, which yeah. High considers a day-game after a night game. You know that Rutschman is DHing at best, right? And you know that Nevin's probably playing first base, right? And I know, look, I, I know he has to sit Rutschman at some points. I know that's 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 inevitable. But uh, and unfortunately, again, that's the the hand that Elias dealt him is that Torinos is the backup catcher, and that's who he has to play if if Adley Rutschman isn't in the lineup. But man, it's some of these decisions he's made has maybe sort of changed my mind on what I think managers are are affecting. Um, win, you know, win loss record throughout the entire year maybe a little bit more affected than I thought it was. So, I, you know, I I do think there's good managers and bad managers. I think he kind of sits in the middle of it. Um, I I think he's a great clubhouse guy and for player development. I think there's probably no one better. But the decisions he's made, especially with pitching, overworking guys. Taking starters out too early, you know, getting these matchup moves that I simply don't agree with. It's been a couple weeks of this now that I think everyone's noticing. Um, yeah. My, my well, dad has been texting me about it constantly, saying, "You know, what is Hyde doing here?" I mean, even Dylan Tate was taken out last night. You know, he was cruising at the moment, mm-hmm. and he takes him out. And it's just things like that where you go, you know, how how much of this can you can you deal with? And you just reminded me of my point. The other point I wanted to make about Thursday's game, where you bring in Crable to get mm-hmm. the final out of the sixth. You bring him, and then you bring him back out for the seventh inning, and he gets three outs, and then you bring him back out for the eighth. Mm-hmm. Why do you need to bring him back out for the eighth? Why are you willing to ask Joey Crable, who is a reliever, yeah. who at best gives you an up and down twice, right, where he where he sure. he pitches two innings? Now you're asking him to go into his third inning of work here. Yeah, he's already pitched in two different innings. Why are you leaving him in the ball game? Why are you leaving him in the ballgame? What does he do? He gives up back-to-back home runs. And maybe, maybe it wasn't back-to-back, but he gives up two home runs, gives up another base hit. Yeah. 
and you finally pull him, but at that point it's too late. Now you're down three to nothing. Right. You you Joey Crable should not have been in that game in the eighth inning. Yeah. He did his job. He got the final out of the sixth. He got all three outs pretty quickly in the seventh. He did his job. That's it. Go right. to somebody else. Right. Go to somebody else. That's just overworking a guy at that yeah. point. That's and, overworking. But, and you're willing to do that with a guy like Crable. Yeah. But you can't let Austin both go give you an extra inning. Or even Jordan Lyles last night. Right. 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 Like that's my like Crable should never have set foot on that field after the seventh inning. Yeah. And that that's on Hyde. It's, and you talk about the lineups, and yeah, you, you're not going to play, you're not going to catch Rutschman every day. Right. But I look at it and I say, all right, it's a day game after a night game. Dude, I, you need that sweep yeah. against, against the Blue Jays. You need that sweep. Rest him against the Cubs. If the Orioles lose to the Cubs, they lose to the Cubs. Right. right? Rutschman should be playing in the games that matter. And the games that matter are the games against the Blue Jays and the Rays. Well, it was it's it's a one thirty game after last night's seven o'clock game, or it's a four o'clock game after last night's seven o'clock game. Ask your players to give you a little more, and it's not. Right. And I'm not. And that's not on the players. The players are there. If you ask Adley Rutschman, you say, "Yeah, I want to catch every single game." Yeah. Guaranteed, he'd say that. Yeah. He should have been catching and in the lineup in that game against Toronto. Right. He consistently punts. On these day games, because right. it, it's the matchups, it's day game after a night game. Yeah. There's extenuating circumstances for everything, and in a playoff chase against a team that's in front of you, and it's also in your own division, in a game that you need to win, you need to be willing to ask Adley Rutschman to give you that game. Right. And then rest him in the day game Right. on Thursday. I have a feeling we'll be uh, seeing Robinson Chirinos today in one capacity. Oh, this is, oh guaranteed. Yeah, Robinson yeah, Chirinos is catching and batting eighth. That just reminds me of another point real quick. I'm, I'm actually going to save that for final thoughts. I have a final thought that relates to this. But I, I think that I, I totally agree. You can't punt these games, especially when you're in a playoff race and you're, you're against the Blue Jays. I mean, that's a team that you have to beat. You have to go out there and make every game count against the Blue Jays. It doesn't matter as much against the Cubs. They're not, you know, not a divisional opponent. They're not even in your league. Mm-hmm. So it's just... To me, you've got to go out there and do everything you can to win that game, and he didn't. And that's yeah. that's a problem. Yeah, it is. And the Orioles have lost five straight day games. Mm-hmm. They've lost five straight day games. And I guarantee if you go back and look at the lineups in those day games, it's Chirinos, it's Nevin, yeah. it's McKenna, it's Odor, it's Phillips. They've lost these day games because he's not putting out a representative lineup that's right. good enough to win. And that's that's the bottom line. Exactly. Um, Austin Hayes, four hits the last two games, three doubles, swing decision still not great. Is this a guy who? And you said it to me that you said something to me um, that I won't repeat. I'll let you say it if you want to on the air. Um, it wasn't anything bad. I just don't want to. I just don't want to say anything if you don't want to say it. I'm on, trying to on think of what it was. So. Wait, <laughs> about Hayes and him being here. Mm, okay. Right. Um, I guess I kind of just gave that away. But anyway, is this a guy who you continue to trot out there? And that's the other thing about... God, man. I didn't mean for this to be a crap fest all over Brandon Hyde. But the fact remains that he's continuing to bat... Up until yesterday, he was continuing to bat Austin Hayes in in run-producing spots in the order. And he had four RBIs. Yesterday was his fifth RBI since July 1st. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? Is this a guy that you continue to play every day, or do you now look at it as, okay, well, I'm going to have Stowers in, in, in left, Santander yeah. in right, Hayes in center, I'm going to DH so-and-so, and I'm going to DH Vavra, and I'm going to have uh, Mountcastle at first base, 
and Hayes isn't going to play today. Yeah, I, I unfortunately think it's getting tougher. I'm a guy who loves Austin Hayes. I love I, Austin I, Hayes, too. I have always thought Austin Hayes is going to be a superstar in this league, and unfortunately, I, I would never call him that at this point, but I, I think he he asserted himself in the beginning of this year and even in previous years he as a guy all- who could be a, a very good starter for this he, team. He was an all-star caliber player right. through June. The problem with Austin Hayes, and the problem that's always been with Austin Hayes, is that he's incredibly inconsistent and doesn't really put together great stretches one after another. And he gets he, hurt every year, whether, whether yeah. it's a a freak thing or not, right. it happens every year. I, and as much as I love this guy, you look at a number of factors here, including the fact that the Orioles have an unbelievable amount of outfield talent coming right along. And I start to get a little bit confused about where Hayes' future ends up. And I, I'm not sure what exactly the comment I made was, but I have started looking at Colton Cowser and thinking that he could be the immediate replacement for Austin Hayes. And I'm, I'm thinking as, as early as, you know, maybe middle of next year. Mm-hmm. I, I think Colton Kowser is an unbelievable player. And like I said before, with the with the swing decisions he makes and the, the professional at-bats he gives you, that's something that Austin Hayes doesn't. Austin Hayes doesn't really give you a lot of professional at-bats. It's a lot of swing and miss. It's a lot of chase. And the same thing can be said about a lot of guys. Like Jorge Mateo does the same thing, and, and Ryan Malcastle does the same thing as well. But I think with Austin Hayes, we're seeing it really start to to turn into bad numbers and bad stretches he was batting like 182 over his last 30 days i think last time we did this show Mm -hmm. so to me at some point you're gonna have to start saying let's look into the future austin hayes is is a fine player he's a good player but there's a lot of of factors that could lead to him being replaced by colton cowser or someone else pretty pretty soon with 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 a hot month of september Hayes could get to 20 homers and 40 doubles. Yeah. And that's a, that's a damn good year. Very good year. But uh, think about what the numbers could be if he didn't just dis- completely right. disappear right. in July in in July and August. Right. Like he he it was like he was not at the plate. It right. was like he wasn't and, playing. And the thing is with that is we know he can do better. This is a guy who's extremely talented and has all the power and all the all the ability to do things, but it's just that he can't consistently put it together, and, and it's frustrating. And the other thing is, and, and yeah, these are freak injuries, him being hit yeah. so much. Look how close he stands to the plate. He it, does. It, he hangs look over, at, Look yeah. at how close he stands to the plate, and it's yeah. like, all right, man, look, getting hit by a pitch sucks, and you're probably really, really frustrated. I remember mm-hmm. being at the game where he, he yelled, G, F, and G, F, and D. Yeah. Um, when he got hit on the hand again. And I get that that's your stance, and that's how you're comfortable. Yeah. But you're going to get hit by pitches more than other people when you're standing basically on the white line of the batter's right. box. And that's not really a freak thing anymore. That's your Agreed. fault. You know, because... And that's also why... You can't get to the inside pitches. How many times do you see him swing at a pitch that's six inches inside? It's usually at his neck, too. Yeah. It, it, those high and inside pitches are ones that he fails to hit basically every time. It's it's really rough watching him try to yeah. hit those. And he chases. I mean, that's what he is. He's a free swinger. Swing decisions are such a big part of what the Orioles are doing right now. And that's, and that's for me, why I think he probably doesn't have a huge long future with this team, unfortunately. And you look at the age, too. I believe he's 27 years old already. Mm -hmm. Um, And you look at the Orioles' ability to compete in 24 and 25, and I'm not sure those really go together. probably goes together this year next year, but at what point does he start to hit a downturn? At what point has he really peaked? Maybe he's peaked already. I don't know. But it's it's certainly interesting to, to watch. And I, I, again, the Orioles have so much outfield talent, and so much of it's close to being ready to go. I think that's a huge problem for Austin Hayes. Two months ago, we were talking about him maybe being the best player on the team, and he he, yeah. he and how he deserved consideration for the All Star game. Now we're talking about can you 
can you continue to play him every day? And I think you predicted this. You said back in April, you said, well, he's going to have a great April, great May, because he always starts off pretty hot and then just doesn't really end up in the middle of the season be very good. But at the end of the year, he's always turned it on in September. Yeah. Always. So we'll see what he does. We'll probably have a great September. They, I wouldn't they, be surprised they at that They really at all. need him and Mount Castle yeah. to take off right. this last these last five to six weeks. They if they want if they want to make the playoffs. And so we talked a little bit about um about Gunnar Henderson. And Tuesday would make would mark forty three games left in the season. Mm-hmm. He's playing over at first base. He's hit a little bit of a downward trend with the bat, but I mean that happens. You don't you don't just mash all year long. Right. Everybody has their slumps, right? But just before that, he was tearing the cover off the ball, and he'll get back to that again. Right. To me, to me, when they said that he's going to get some work at first base, my immediately my immediate thought was they're going to call him up. Mm-hmm. They're going to play him every day wherever there's a fit for him to play. If if it's a third base, if it's a shortstop to give him a tail blow, if it's a second base, if it's a first base. They're going to call him up right. maybe as early as this coming Tuesday. It's possible. And Nevin's going down. Yeah. Nevin's going down to the minors. I, I think that, that that's written all Nevin, over. Uh, Nevin is a guy that I I've at this point do not expect much from when it comes to the plate. There's a lot of swing and miss there again. And uh, you said it before, but the amount of impactful hits that I can remember in the past two or three months are very little. He just doesn't come up with a lot of impactful hits. And this is a guy who's here for his bat, frankly. Mm-hmm. He's not here to play defense. He's right. he's an okay third baseman. He's been fine. But he's here to hit, and he hasn't. And, and then you look at Arauz. Uh, you look at Nevin. Yeah. And they're they're taking up roster spots to not play. Yeah. Right? And Arauz, honestly, should have never been on the team to begin with. Yeah, he's... I think a little more interesting just because he's 23 years old. And, and he's he, fast. and he, he, Probably a guy you can stash in the minors, and that's why they probably claimed him, hoping they could stash him in the minors for a little while. Well, they, they could have stashed him in the minors and kept Richie Martin up here, but instead they they, they, sent, Rich, they sent Richie Martin down and left Alvarez up here and then didn't play him for two weeks. And when they finally yeah. did play him, he got hurt. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, for me, I, I really think that... And that's kind of after the trade deadline... When they made the moves that they made, but they didn't really add to their team. And then Mike Elias said, you know, we're going for it. Gunner, that's when I started thinking Gunnar Henderson's coming. Gunnar Henderson is coming this year because, and the writing's on the wall for me, that he's coming up. If it's not next okay. week, it's pretty damn soon. It'll be before September 1st. I think next week makes sense. Debut him at home in a playoff race. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I really think that he's maybe he's probably getting the call for okay. Tuesday. That's that's my thought on on. Um, on Gunnar Henderson. Uh, today's Orioles banter has been brought to you by the latest edition of PressBox, which is available now on the cover. Both Smolka profiles, um, Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan as the season gets underway and everything you need to know for betting football this season. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. It's the bat round. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Summer is 
is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Visit Howard County presents the 2022 Major League Quidditch Championship, a Harry Potter-inspired, real-life, full-contact, mixed-gender, 12-team Quidditch tournament happening at Troy Park in Elkridge, August 20th through the 22nd. For tickets and more information, go to visithowardcounty.com. Maryland, be open for it. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also, inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State. And we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of demos, ravens, and terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Forget plus-minus odds, Swagger uses points for a better way to understand probabilities. If you're tired of losing because of one bad pick, with Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You just create a lineup of 4-10 to 10 simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. So you can be half right and all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site, as much as 50 times your buy-in. Plus, you can play all the major pro sports, including your favorite local teams. If you're ready to play, visit playwithswagger.com slash pressbox to sign up, and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out, plus they'll match your first deposit 100% up to 100 bucks. It's free money to play with Swagger. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fankind. Playwithswagger.com slash pressbox. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. We are back on the bat around with that old Glenn Clark radio music and it's fitting because Press Box's Glenn Clark Radio is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. You can watch the show every weekday from ten to noon at youtube.com slash pressbox online or Facebook.com slash pressbox sports or listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcast. Guys, you have no excuse to not be tuning into Glenn Clark Radio in one way or another. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Tim Kirkjian, Kobe Mayo, Evan Washburn, and much more. Find those interviews now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature right now at PressBoxOnline.com. 
right now. You know, you were just talking about how like we were we were Zach and I played golf yesterday, and Zach is he is gotten so good at golf in such a small that. period of time. Like I was watching him play yesterday and he shot an 86. Mm-hmm. And the 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 swing, the shots that you hit, the putting so far and away better than when I first played with you last October. Yeah. Like so much better of a golfer. And we were talking um about my wife and how I um like once you get married and once you start having more responsibilities added to your plate, you can't do the things that you used to do. And one of the things I can't yeah. do as much anymore is I, I can't play golf. Like, Zach has the opportunity to go work at yeah. golf all the time because he doesn't have a wife and he doesn't have kids. Not that I have kids. He doesn't <laughs> have, Bruce. He doesn't have a, like, a, a full-time job, right? You don't have a full-time job. No, I don't have a full-time job. Right. No. He's, he's a college student and he has the opportunity to go. Right. I have Bruce. He has the opportunity <laughs> to go and work on his game, right? right? right. And That's he, where and, I spend the majority of my free time. Yeah, is working on his golf game, and it shows. It shows you, you've improved. You. It, you've had so much improvement in everything, the putting especially. Um, but so anyway, so we're on one of the tee boxes yesterday, and Zach's asking me. He's like, "Why don't you take Laura golfing if you want to golf more?" And I said, I've, "She really likes top golf." And I took her golfing once, and she got. Um, she wasn't very good. And I don't. Laura, if you're listening, hello. And and I said I don't know that I have the patience to watch somebody take a hundred shots on nine holes, right? Like I don't know if I. That's basically what I did the first time we went out and played. Yeah, last October. And and, and I was like, I I don't know if I have the patience for that. And I was like, but Laura's not the kind of person. She wouldn't care if she was getting better, as long as she was having a good time. I was like, if she went out there and consistently was terrible mm-hmm. but she was having a great time she, that's all that she would care about fitting Zach I get home yesterday and Laura asks me um I'm sorry my wife asks me how was golf and I she said did you have fun and I said <laughs> yeah I shot an 85 Zach shot an 86 and she goes I just think it's so weird that you guys based whether or not you had fun on how well you play. Oh, that's everything. That's and, everything. And, and and I thought and I was like and I told her the story. I was I was like we I literally just told Zach today that you wouldn't care if you were getting better as long as you were having fun. And she did say she's like I would want to get better at it, but she's like I, I that wouldn't be my top priority. Right. I want to have a good time. But yeah, when you go out and you play golf, golf's a hard sport and if you're competitive, if you have that competitive nature, you want to play well. Right. If you're not playing well, golf is a very frustrating and annoying game. Especially when the people you're playing with are drastically better than you. Mm-hmm. That's when it really starts to be... Um, and I mean, the first time I played with you, I shot... I think I shot a 111, and it probably was more like a 125 with all the mulligans I took back then. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's it's definitely frustrating, and it makes you want to get a lot better. Right. It makes you want to get a lot better. And golf isn't one of those games where, like, some guys, they like to just go out there and hack the crap out of the ball and just drink, yeah. a, drink a case of beer. Uh, me, I get worse if I drink on the golf course and if I'm not playing well I don't want to be there I don't want to I don't want to like a lot of times I'll be on the 12th hole and I'm like why am I here I do that all the time you know like why why did I waste 60 bucks to go now it wasn't 60 bucks to play golf yesterday but it it was close why did I waste 60 bucks to come out here and get mad for 18 holes (laughs) right um but then but yesterday I played well I played well well. and I, I told Zach I like 
I'm getting nervous. I don't know that I'm ever gonna. I don't know that I'm ever gonna beat you again. You I, will. You I've will. beaten Zach by one stroke each of the last two times that we've played, mm-hmm. and you're gonna keep getting better, and I'm gonna keep staying right at the same level because I don't have the time to get better. I don't know. You shot at 82 at Wetlands the other day. I, I don't think I. I haven't gotten that low yet. The, so. But the last, two, if I go out and I warm up, mm-hmm. and when I shot the 82 at Wetlands, and I pl- I play mulligan free golf. I don't take mulligan. Yeah. So these are like legit scores. Yeah. So like. If I go out and I hit the driving range and I get a bunch of swings in and I'm loose, that's when I shoot an 82 at the wetlands. Yeah. I shot an 85 at Geneva yesterday. Now, and these aren't the hardest courses no. in the world, but they're, they're, it's still golf because I'm warmed up and I'm loose. If I go out there and I get out of my car into the golf cart and go out on the golf course, I'm going to shoot a 95 because I'm not going to start. Yeah. I'm not going to warm up to the ninth hole. But anyway, this isn't a golf show. I just thought that it was funny that um, we talked about that. We, 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 we <laughs> talked about Laura and her mentality, and then yeah. she asked me and told me her mentality, and I was like, I already knew. Um, anyway, it's time for Take to Rake. Take to Rake is brought to you by Weekend at Bookies. Every other Thursday at 11.40, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports, uh, Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. Uh, every... Excuse me. Sports betting has finally come to Maryland, and we are ready to help you win some money. So you can tune in every other Thursday, eleven forty, for weekend at bookies again with Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports. Brad Cronthal. Um, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at pressboxonline.com/slash/radio. Watch at youtube.com/slash/pressboxonline. So the this read was such that it, it read so clunky to me last week that yeah. I wanted to split it into two, and I did the first part really well. I did um, simply the bets really well. Weekend at Bookies, I butchered that. It's probably why it's supposed to be just one read. Anyway, time for Take the Rake. Um, so last week, so here's what we did. We basically had a tie between Rutschman and Mount Castle last week. Mm-hmm. So we said we were going to take the weekend to see who won. Well, Mount Castle did not play on Sunday, and he went 0 for 4, I think it was, yeah. on Saturday. Rutschman played Saturday and Sunday, and he went 1 for 9 with a single. So, we can't give Adley Rutschman the win because he went one for nine and he was the only one that could get a hit. If you want to take the other two games, Mount, the, 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 the two-game sample, Mountcastle's next game, which was at Monday, he went one for three with a homer. Yeah. But that wouldn't be fair either because he didn't play on Sunday and it was for the rest of the weekend. So, we decided that as much as we tried to not have a tie last week we was, a, was a tie. You can't say that Rutschman raked when he went one for nine. No. Right, so last week was a tie. This week, not much better. Zach took Jorge Mateo. He went one, he went five for twenty four with a home run, three RBIs, three walks, a two hundred eight, two ninety six, three seventy five, six seventy one slash line. I took Austin Hayes. He went four for twenty four. All four hits came in the last two days. Two doubles. I'm sorry, three doubles, a walk, and seven strikeouts. Yeah. He didn't rake. Mateo didn't rake either, but he no. had the big home run. He got on base more. Uh, Jorge Mateo won, even though nobody raked. You, you yeah. we can't. We're not doing back to back ties. Zach, you won with Jorge Mateo, which means you get to pick first and give your final f- thoughts first today. Oh, I'm, I'm I'm going Adley Rutschman. How can you not? He's <laughs> he's been the best player on the team at the moment, and uh, it, well, I, I think he's going to be for the foreseeable future. Uh, you got to go Adley Rutschman. Man. Pick Kyle Stowers. Come on and do it. Pick Kyle Stowers. Come on, get happy. No. Um I think I gotta take Tony Taters. Okay. I think I got I think I gotta take Tony I like Taters. That. I mean he was 0 for fourteen going into last night's game. Um 
but I I think he's going to bounce back here. He had the three hit game, including the home run last night. I'm yeah. taking I'm taking okay. Anthony Tony Tater Santander uh, for take to rake this week. Let me uh, notate this so that we have this ready for next week. So I don't notate so I, so I don't forget. What the hell just happened? We we probably will. No, we we used to forget a lot. So I'm glad yeah. we're we're taking the notes now. We're making it making it an official thing. But and you took who did you take again? Rutschman. Adley Rutschman. Adley Rutschman. Adley Rutschauer. I have, I have a final thought related to, to Adley Rutschman, actually. Sure. You know, they, they, they bring up Adley Rutschman, and he automatically becomes, in my opinion, the best catcher in baseball. Yeah. And he's automatically, in my opinion, again, the best player on this team. They really, really, really miss Adley Rutschman when he doesn't play. This team misses him in every single capacity. Mm-hmm. To me, they have to go out this offseason, and I would make it one of my priorities, and get a real backup catcher that's actually going to be able to hit in his place when he can't play. It's so important, in my opinion, to get someone who is actually a decent fill-in because Robinson Torinos is hitting like 160. To me, you've got to get a guy who can play better defense than Torinos can because Torinos does not play good defense all year. He's a terrible framer. Uh, he's better than Pedro Severino was, that's for sure, and he's better than Chance Sisko was as well. So it's a small upgrade, but that that wasn't exactly a high bar. Uh, you you gotta you gotta go out and get a catcher that can realistically back this guy up because he's not gonna play every day, and that's that's unrealistic to say that he would be able to. So go get a guy, go get a guy who's who's decent. Don't pay him too much, but I, I would be willing to pay a decent amount to a backup catcher who can come in and, and really fill in for him well. Well, and the thing about that though is if you get a catcher that can hit, they're probably not a backup. Right, true. And that's where, like, I want a catcher that can hit and pitch frame. I don't want to pay him too much, and I want him to be okay with playing twice a week. Right, like those it's, things. It's a tough sell. That's that's a unicorn. That doesn't it doesn't exist. Maybe right? you trade for one. But here's here's where I am with that is maybe your backup catcher next year, somebody like Maverick Hanley or okay. um, or Brett Cumberland, somebody who yeah. can get on base. Can have a decent OPS and a decent slugging, like a de- a decent OPS. Yeah. Um. That maybe they're not going to hit 280, but they might hit 230. And okay. they, they, they they you're not. It would be like having Nick Hundley back up Matt Wieters, mm-hmm. right? Where Nick Hundley was capable with the bat. I think he hit 13 home runs that year. That um when when Wieters went down with Tommy John surgery, um. But he was meant to be the backup. Right, and so somebody like that, somebody that can come in, and they can hit about two thirty. Maybe they have decent power that that shows its face every now and again. And but you're not, you don't feel like, oh, they're in the lineup. That's four automatic outs. Exactly, and that's yeah. how I feel with Torino's right now. That that's yeah. when he comes to the plate, I have zero confidence because he hasn't shown me anything otherwise. I did see the other day his average was all the way up to one seventy eight though. Ooh, but then I think he took, yeah, I think he took an over in the game. Took, uh, uh, doesn't surprise me. So my final thought is also Adley Rutschman related, and it is with the. Um, it is with the extension. Okay. Stan was like, I don't understand why we have to give these extensions to people. Well, you didn't, but then people started doing it, right? And you, you, It's become you, a, a thing that happens. You, you, it's, 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 you don't have to understand why it happens, but you have to know that it happens, right? And so if you're looking, if you're looking around the league and you're watching guys who you think you're better than or just as good as, get extensions in their rookie year or in the offseason following their rookie year, like big-time extensions, and then your team isn't willing to do that, you're going to remember that, Yeah. right? So then if you want these guys to sign with you long-term later on, 
they're going to remember that you didn't try and do right by them earlier when mm-hmm. all the other teams did. And that's why you have to extend Adley Rutschman. If this is 1995, then yeah, Adley Rutschman probably plays three or four years. Um, you probably even get to that final year of arbitration before you sign him. It's 2022. Yeah. You got to give this guy an extension, if not this offseason, the next offseason, or sometime during the season next year, where you're buying out the final three years of his, of his arbitration yeah. and then some. And you're keeping him in an Orioles uniform until he's what thirty two, thirty three years old, and then if he, and then he's probably not the same player then that he is. But you want to make sure that you're keeping Adley Rutschman for as long as he is the right. best catcher in baseball, and you're paying him to be that. Like you said, you don't really have to understand why it happens, but note you know that, that it, it does. Uh, the White Sox are the team that really started doing it first. I mean, they did it with Tim Anderson very early on in his career, and then Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert and all these other guys. Well, I, the Rays did it with Evan Longoria. Rays did it with Longoria. And, and I think the Long- Cubs did it with, with, with um, Chris Bryant. Yeah, and, and this is the way that you compete in a division. You compete against the Red Sox and the Jays and the Yankees and the Rays because – that was a good rhyme right there – because they do this. So you've got to do it too. Well, all, I, you can't sit on the sidelines and say, well – all the other teams are doing it, but we're not going to. Well, and the, the other thing is, you let him get to arbitration. He doesn't want to sign a, a full year deal because he remembers that you didn't that you didn't help him when when you could have taken care of him. Yeah. And then he goes and signs with somebody else, right. right? Whereas you can buy out his his arbitration years and give him a few extra years and probably pay him mm-hmm. five to eight million dollars less per year than what he would be worth at the end of that contract, which is saving you money. Like, like to me, it's a no-brainer that you go extend Adley Rutschman. I don't want to be, I don't want to be, and, and and Stan's right. The Orioles did come to Manny Machado. It was reported by Ken Rosenthal ba- way back when that the Orioles did come to Manny Machado with a contract extension offer. I think after right. his 20, 2013 or twenty fourteen season, and they were a million dollars apart annually. Mm-hmm. So it was so if it was like they were offering him eight years at seventy two million. And he wanted eight years at eighty million. That was the difference, and the Orioles balked at that. And then you don't trade Manny Machado until his final season, when he has three months left. You don't trade him till then, and you get back the only thing that you've gotten that's noteworthy is Dean Kramer, and he was really good his last start. He's been good this year, but right. how good is he? Is he another guy who, like Stan said, is out over their skis? Real quick, Orioles lineup today just uh, just released. It is a punt lineup. It's another day game punt lineup. Austin Hayes in the leadoff spot in left field. Adley Rutschman DHing today at number two. Anthony Santander in right field batting third. Ryan Malcastle cleanup spot. Uh, Ramona Rios, Jorge Mateo, Ryan McKenna, Tyler Nevin, and Robinson Chirinos behind Kyle Bradish on the mound. That's awful. I mean, an awful you're, lineup you're, today. I knew Nevin was going to be playing today. Your six, seven, I mean, your seven, eight, nine hitters don't give you an opportunity. No. Uh, and against against Michael Waka, I don't see. I mean, Ryan McKenna's in two sixty four. He's having a nice year for a fourth outfielder, mm-hmm. but his on base percentage is only like three sixteen. So. I would not be surprised to see him go zero for four with three strikeouts. I wouldn't be in, in the game today. Tyler Nevin, you're not getting anything out of him. Rob, oh, Chirinos is average is up to one eighty four. He's up. To, he's up to one eighty four. <laughs> not great still. Um, but yeah, I, I mean the the top six okay, but and no Kyle Stowers. No Kyle Stowers against the righty. I, like which Brandon like, Hyde just said yesterday, he would face righties almost every time a righty was on the mound. He legitimately just said he did. He's going to get a lot of play, yeah. a lot of playing time. He said, and he doesn't have him in the lineup the second day that he's here <laughs> against a righty. 
it's I don't know. I I just have to question it at this point. I have to question it. It's, I just I, I I can't defend the moves that no, this guy I, makes I, anymore. I can't. I, can't. I, I I can't defend it. And, and oh man, it's it's like and watch it'll be a reverse lock. But I look at this lineup. I look at who's who's pitching. I look at who's pitching for the Orioles, and I don't see how they win this game. You bait. You just punted the second game of a series you need to win. Right. I don't see how they win this game today. I just don't. They're not. I'm. I'm. You know what? They're not going to win today. I'm saying it. It's infuriating. It I, really I'm is. saying it out loud. The Orioles are not going to win today, and when they don't, it's Brandon Hyde's fault. Yeah. It's Brandon Hyde's fault. You don't need to play Tyler Nevin. No. You, you don't, really don't. You don't need to play Ryan McKenna. Right. All right. If you want Chirinos to be. Trinos is acceptable he's because the we only know one, has to get days off. He's the only one that I accept. Right. You don't need to play Nevin today, and you no. don't need to play um, McKenna. Right. Now, and, and I'm not saying that I, that I love Ruth Neto Door, but I trust his ability to run into one more than I trust Tyler Nevin. Why? Why? Why is Kyle Stowers not in place of Ryan McKenna here? I mean, this mm-hmm. is if he's such a matchups guy. Brandon Hyde loves matchups that much. Ryan McKenna well, loves facing the lefties, which Michael, Michael Walker is not, right? I mean, that's Michael Walker well, is not but, a lefty. But you, you, you got to look at the fact that if you're playing Chirinos and you're DHing Rutschman, mm-hmm. that means that if you want to keep Santander in the lineup, if you want to keep Hayes in the lineup, and you want to keep Mullins in the lineup, yeah. you uh, an outfielder has to be left out. And Hayes just came off that three-hit game yesterday, so Stowers should be playing. So leave McKenna out. That's fine. <laughs> so, so, wait, wait a second. I'm looking at it. Hold on. Let me, let me. What, what I'm saying here is that oh, Mullins is off too. Mullins is off Correct. against the righty. Correct. That's what I'm saying right here. That you know, Ryan McKenna is the guy he thinks hits lefties well, so that's fine. But Michael Walk is a righty. This is and you're sitting your lefties. It's it's it, it, Stowers not playing. Is also because is because Mullins isn't in there, yeah. and you want to get McKenna in there. And, and I just don't understand this. I don't. I, 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 don't, don't I don't understand. I would much rather have Mullins playing and have Stowers in over Hayes, who's been mm-hmm. struggling, or Stowers in over Santander. You know, I just picked him for take the rake to give him a day off. Yeah. L- like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. No. It, th- this is this is another punt lineup, and it. it Whatever, man. Uh, look, they're gonna lose, and you all can can <laughs> you all can blame Brandon Hyde for this for this garbage lineup that he put out that he didn't need to put out. He didn't need to put this lineup out. This isn't a lineup that says, "Hey, I'm going after no. the playoffs." This is a lineup that says, "I gotta get my guys their time." Right. You're gonna playoff chase, man. You can't be everybody's best friend. Right. Tyler Nevin shouldn't see the field. Agreed. Uh, <sighs> <laughs> anyway. I liken the Adley Rutschman contract extension, the the need for that, to Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. And Lamar Jackson, we don't know if he's going to sign with the Raiders. I'm inclined to believe that he will, but the reports are that A, he's cutting the contract talks off yeah. once they get to week one, and B, he's asking for more money yeah. than Deshaun Watson, and he wants it all guaranteed. My level of concern a year ago was like a two. I never, now, had a, I never had a level concern. It's and, like an eight. Uh, I'm not at an eight, but the whole, the whole comparison there is if Deshaun Watson, if the Browns, and Andrew Barry is, um, is that his name? Yeah, Andrew Barry? Andrew Barry. He's a Bel Air high school graduate. He is, and a Harvard right? graduate, he's, too, yeah. He, he, he's, he's from Harvard County. He's mm-hmm. from Bel Air. He's from my, my stomping grounds, right? Yeah. 
He's about your age, and I believe he played football for them at Bel Air, so you probably played against him. Pretty cool. He's going to get fired by the Cleveland Browns. You think so? They're going to fire him. Why did he say that? He gave Deshaun Watson seven years, 230, or is it five years? Five years. Five two, years. Yeah. $230 million. Knowing. Fully guaranteed. Yeah. And he's not going to, he may not get fired this year, but this is like the one of the moves that's like, well, he did this. And then he did this, and maybe this wouldn't have been this bad, but he did this, and now it's it's magnified, right? Yeah. And 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 the reason I compare the, the two contract things, Rutschman to Lamar Jackson, if the Browns don't do that, then Lamar Jackson is probably willing to take a a, a, a contract that pays him that's backloaded that pays him thirty million this year, thirty five million next year, right. and then. $50 million at the end of the contract every year, right? And not all of it's guaranteed. But because Deshaun Watson, who hasn't played in basically two years when he when he yeah. finally steps on the field again, because he got all of his $230 million guaranteed, and Lamar Jackson's a better player than he is... Oh, easily, yeah. This is where, where you're at. Yeah. Lamar Jackson wants that because if he got that, I definitely deserve that, and probably more. And that's what you're looking at with Adley Rutschman. Where Adley Rutschman, great guy. I, I love the person who said he's like a golden retriever. You know, I, I love that. But you, if Adley Rutschman is looking at the landscape of Major League Baseball and seeing all these young guys get locked up well before their arbitration years mm-hmm. and the Orioles aren't doing that, how does he not look at that and say, why aren't you doing right by me? Right. And that's right. what Lamar Jackson's thinking. They gave Deshaun Watson that, stepped that up. Because if you don't want to give it to me, somebody will. Somebody will. 100%. Absolutely will. And it'll probably be the Browns once Deshaun Watson sucks and they Certainly don't have Certainly could him. be. It's 1230. I didn't realize how late it was. That's going to do it for us here on the Bat Around. He's Zach Goodman. I'm Paul Valley. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment. Thanks to Nathan Ruiz for, for being able to make time for us in his busy schedule from the Baltimore Sun. We will see you next week. Hopefully the Orioles have some wins despite the punt day lineups. See ya! <laughs>